Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Fengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Friday. Yeah, it's actually a good thing too. Uh, it's been a crazy week, a long week, a lot of work, a lot of wonderful work, actually. I've kind of enjoyed it. Um, so I'm not doing my, my guitar jam, although I'm certainly looking for another place to go play out. In fact, I'm looking for a band. Uh, I, I like being in a rock band. I've been in several. Uh, I just haven't been in one that's been really successful on stage yet. So that's kind of what I'm working towards. Uh, so we'll get there hopefully sometime soon. It looks like uh, uh, i pretty sure that line is Josh from Illinois already on the line. Let me just do a quick double check. I'm starting to get to know certain numbers. And so, yep, he's there. Okay, good. So Josh, I'll get to you in just a second here. Um, what I wanted to, a uh, couple of things to announce. One, and I'll be talking about this a little bit uh, more or throughout the day, uh, is our new bill. It's our new bill to ban uh, drug advertising um, to consumers. Uh, the only place that it can be, the uh, uh, only place that drugs, prescription drugs should be advertised is directly to health professionals because they have to use them, you know, well, they don't have to, but uh, you know what I mean. Um, but uh, the only two countries that have uh, advertising of, of prescription drugs directly to consumers is the United States and New Zealand. And how New Zealand's doing it, I don't know, because they restrict pretty much everything else. Anyway, so um, a really interesting thing happened last year. In fact, this bill has been in the works for, for a while. Uh, as always, I like to make them as simple and straightforward as possible. And so what happened was last year, between the, the spring and the fall, we had 18 weeks of the most amazing shows I think we've ever done. That was the World's Greatest Doctors Panel. Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Ben Marble, Dr. Jim Thorpe, uh, and a guest uh, doctor, Suzanne uh, uh, Northrup. Um, we had uh, Angie Farella. We had Molly James. We had all these amazing folks. We had incredible guests, Brandon House, who's the partner of Mike Lindell with Lindell TB. Uh, we had uh, Gregory Wrightstone from the CO2 Coalition comparing, you know, lives of climate change with lives of uh, COVID. It's pretty much the same lives. I mean, they changed the subject a little bit, but it's, a, it's the same basic propaganda model. And so it was a fascinating time. Anyway, uh, one of my listeners, Linda, um, called up and, uh, and emailed me also and posted a bill to ban drug advertising. And I'm thinking, well, this is an interesting idea. So I bring it up, you know, with our World's Greatest Doctors panel. And uh, Judy immediately speaks up and says, yeah, let's do that. I don't want to ban drugs. Uh, you know, ban drug advertising, not ban drugs, but ban drug advertising. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. I mean, I hadn't really thought of it. I know cigarettes are banned uh, from advertising on most places, but, I, you know, prescription drugs, yeah, not a bad idea. Those things are, you know, for the most part suck. <laughs> you know, the psychotropics, you know, turn, you know, decent young people into assassins uh, and they don't work anyway. I mean, that, the, the scientific papers came out on that. So I thought, okay, well, wouldn't it be interesting if I could get those two together on the air? So Linda, regular listener, and Dr. Judy Mikovits, you know, world-renowned molecular biologist and biochemist, got together on the air. In fact, I talked to them both off the air to arrange it, and they worked out the bill. And I'm listening to all this, and I'm taking notes. And from that, I basically structured uh, – well, actually, Linda pretty much wrote the bill. I just rearranged a little bit. Uh, the biggest thing being I put our bill um, on top of the current law. Normally, uh, when we make a bill, um, I'll put uh, the introduction or rationale up first. In other words, why do we need this bill? You always want to justify why you're doing it. Otherwise, I'm not going to post the bill. So you've got to have a good reason. Uh, and uh, that's, that's what makes a bill good. Uh, and the second thing is we post the current law. You know, here's the, here's the law we're trying to change, get rid of, amend, abolish, replace, whatever. So that goes next. And then the third, which is you know, usually one of the shorter sections, 
is what our changes are. What are we proposing? What, what, uh, what uh, parts of law are, you know, what language are we going to either replace or add to, you know, the current law? Well, in this case, it's really funny. Uh, CFR 21, Section 202.1 is the citation for the law that allows for drug advertising. It's actually a, a federal regulation. It's not even a law. So federal regulation, CFRs, uh, that's the, uh, I think that's the Code of Federal Regulations, I think is the, uh, the official title. So CFR uh, 21, and that'd be like Title 21 in the U.S. Code. Uh, Section 202.1 covers drug advertising. Parts A and B. Well, they're huge. You know, they're like multiple pages and pages and pages of law of all the ways that drugs can be advertised. And it, it, so, what we thought is, you know, why don't we just ban advertising completely? So, if you look at our bill, and I've got the uh, citation right in the uh, uh, in the in the notes here. It's right in live chat. Uh, no, it's actually on the program notes. I actually put the bill link right there, so you can just copy and paste it and go. Oh, that's what he's talking about at rightsyourlaws.com. And so, I put it right there in the bill. Um, on the show notes, and you can take a look. And it, it's basically four lines. You know, part A, you know, drugs can't be advertised, you know, on me, uh, print media, internet media, things like that. That's the first part. Part B, drugs can be advertised to health professionals. That's it. That's the whole bill. So you take all these multiple pages and, and all this stuff. And this is why it always fascinates me when people say, we've gotten enough laws already, we don't need new laws. Yes, we do. We need better ones, shorter ones, more direct ones, ones that are more easily read. We need to replace bad law with better law. And if I can replace 20 pages of a federal code that nobody understands with four lines that basically say drugs can't be advertised you know, to consumers directly, uh, only to health professionals, then that's what I'm going to do. That's a good change. Is that a new law? Sure it is. So if you say we don't need new laws, you don't know what you're talking about. We do need new laws. We need better laws, and we need to replace a lot of the bad laws that are already there. So that's where we are now. So on that note, let me bring in Josh here, and I'll bring up our bill uh, and uh, see what he thinks of it here. So let's, uh, whatever's, let me get to what's on your mind first, Josh, and then we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit because it, it's so easy to understand. It's amazing. So how are you doing? No, I, no, I completely agree with your statement. Um, yeah, if you can take uh, 150 paragraphs and turn that into two sentences mm-hmm. and uh, make that law, yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's what yeah. we do. In fact, I actually, I wrote to my congressman, Matt Gates, this morning. Uh, in fact, I'm hoping he'll, he'll text me back something like a statement that I can announce tonight at the rally. But we'll see. You know, I mean, they're, they're busy. They do stuff. I'll work on that. Anyway, so he's already got the bill. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to do a press release on it probably next week, and we'll go from there. But here's what it is. So for those that want to do it, in fact, you can, you can check right now. Uh, so if you look at our program notes, you'll see the second part of the uh, show announcement. Uh, and let me see if I can put it. Let me get off live chat for a second because I, I think I posted there too. So anyway, so Action Radio, an act to ban direct consumer advertising of drugs. You know, once you get below the show date, you know, the first thing you see after the uh, four stars is the bill link. So it's right there. So you can just copy it, you know, put it in your computer and take a look right now. Uh, in fact, everybody can. In fact, if you're listening by podcast, you can do it too whenever you, whenever you catch this show. And so just to show you how simple it is, now the intro uh, the intro is a lot longer than the bill. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So Linda, who wrote this with Judy Mikovits, um, posts this, uh, this, this wonderful introduction about how much money. Let me just give you a, a quick, well, let me get through some of the introduction here, and I'll get Josh's opinion. Direct-to-consumer uh, advertising of drugs is banned in other countries. The U.S. is one of two nations that allows it. Uh, it needs to be banned in the U.S., and then she's got a Washington Post article. 1997, the FDA issued draft guidance and final regulations in 1999, we're going to party like it's 1999. Anyway, that allow broadcast uh, direct-to-consumer product claim ads 
only to have to include a major statement and adequate provision. Yeah, yeah. 1997, drug companies spent, or here's the part I wanted to read. Drug companies spent $1.3 billion on direct advertising. In 1999, uh, it was $1.6 billion. Uh, and then the next year, it was $2.5 billion. By 2004, $4.4 billion spent on drug advertising direct to consumers. And by 2016, 2018, it's about $6 billion a year. Well, that's larger than most countries' budget. $6 billion a year. Uh, so basically, it quadrupled in 20 years once they opened it up. Um, to uh, direct your consumer advertising. And what it's Forbes, we've got a Forbes thing here, it says cited a House uh, Commerce Committee finding that for every $1,000, which is nothing when you have $6 billion, right? Uh, for every $1,000 spent on, on prescription drugs, 24 new patients were added for the pharma industry. So every 1,000. So that means every 10,000, you get 240. Every 100,000, you've got 2,400. For every million, you've got you know, 240,000. You have almost a quarter million people for every million dollars spent on advertising, and they spend $6 billion a year. Do the math. So you look at uh, the, the bottom part of it where it says the following is current law and is repealed in its entirety by our proposed law above. Just scroll through the pages and pages and pages and endless regulations and all this crap. It's a lot of stuff. Then, then, uh, but I wanted to put our law first because by the time you got through all that, you'd never see it at the bottom. So I had, to, I had to change the format a little bit. So after the introduction is our proposed law. 21 CFR section 202.1, prescription drug advertisements. Come on, Greg. It's Friday. You know, we'll try that again. 21 CFR section 202.1, prescription drug uh, advertisements. Part A, advertisements for prescription drugs are strictly prohibited in all electronic and printed media, including but not limited to television, radio, telephone communication systems, websites, online video platforms, newspapers, magazines, and other public periodicals. Part B, Drug companies are only permitted to advertise drugs directly to healthcare professionals. That's it. That's the whole bill. That's everything. That's it. Look at that. It, you know, doesn't prohibit you know searching online. Uh, I don't think it even mentions social media because those can, people can exchange that information. So we're not stopping the information. We're just saying it can't be advertised directly to consumers when they pay money to do it. Unless you're a health professional. So, you know, health periodicals, The Lancet, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine, various uh, doctor uh, information sources, or, you know, pamphlets, information, online ads directly to doctors, nurses, health professionals. Okay. Psychologists, I mean, psychiatrists. Yeah, that's cool. They're professionals. You know, they, they can make their own decisions. Um, but anyway, I'm Josh. So if you get a chance to wade through that really complex bill sometime, and all its permutations and computations, you know, part A, advertising is banned. Part B, except for health professionals. <laughs> That's the bill. That's the whole bill. That's it. One, two, three, four, five lines. Yeah. No, that makes absolute sense, uh, you know, except for the kickbacks. And, Greg, please never, never sing it again. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. Never? What, what are you talking about? Uh, you just you just saying, like, like – uh, minute and a half ago. Please don't do that two times. What did I say? I don't know what you're talking about. You're saying, you're saying. No, you, you, oh, my friend, when you speak, your words are poetry. But when you sing, no, sir. Oh, don't sing. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll try to sing when you're on the line. I'll only sing when you're off the line. Thank you. Maybe breaking the Russian accent. This could be good for the Soviet Union. Yes, they, have, they, have, they don't need advertising. We tell you what drugs to take. How's that? By just breaking the different accents randomly. 
Slightly less offensive, still okay. <laughs> Force is strong with you. Do not need drugs. You don't. Mm. Anyway. Okay, why the hell did you go to the Star Wars universe? <laughs> <laughs> because it was funny. That's right. I don't care. But anyway, so I like to mix the, the serious and the totally absurd, uh, you know, because it, it sort of amuses me. But anyway, so that's our bill. Um, what was on your mind? I mean, you had a reason for calling, right? At least I hope so. Otherwise, I'll just ramble aimlessly like I normally do. No, no, no. I just, yeah, no, I, I, I was just trying to tap into, no, every, I'm, I'm trying to tap into what you're talking about. Um, when it comes to that bill, yes, absolutely. Uh, shorter is better. Like I said, if you uh, can take 150 paragraphs and turn it into four sentences. <laughs> Did you that's, see the? Uh, did you, did you you don't did you scroll through the size of the regulations for for drug advertising as currently exists? I mean, do you have it on? Do you, no, do you have it in front of you? No, or no? Okay. I I, I okay. like to enjoy my weekends. No, sir. Well, okay. Oh, yeah, sir. I guess it is. You know, Friday already for for. Well, listen, I you know I work every day, so I don't care. All right. So that's the first news. Uh, the first news is our drug bill. I've already sent it to my congressman. Uh, it's probably going to go on a press release, and we'll see what happens. The second news is, is that there is a rally this evening. Uh, for those of you in the greater Pensacola area of Florida, where I happen to be, in Milton, approximately 30 minutes away, we have a Medical Freedom and Save Our Country event. And it's going to be a Blue Wahoo Stadium tonight uh, between 6 and 9. Uh, doors, I think, open at 530. I'll probably be there at 5. You know, so I'm hoping to get some more action radio folks there, too. So we've got uh, some speakers I know. Uh, Teresa Long is going to be there. Lieutenant Colonel uh, David Trombley is going to be there. Uh, David Clements, I don't know, but uh, Diane Warner has talked about him enough. Dr. Ben Marble, he'll be there. He's a friend. Who else have we got? Deborah Viglione, she was on the show yesterday uh, talking about this. Uh, James Thorpe, been on before. He was part of our World's Greatest Doctors panel. Angie Farella, she's a friend of mine. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're trying to get on Texas Media. She's from Texas, so she'll be flying in for that. Uh, Chris Jersky was on the show. Uh, who else do I know from, from this? I think that's about it. Oh, of course, Brian Artis, uh, who is also part of our World's Greatest Doctors panel, uh, friend of the show, too. So I think like five of the people that are going to be speaking tonight uh, are friends of Action Radio. So they, they know about us. They know about our bills. The biggest bills, uh, of course, this one's going to be big now, too, banning of drug advertising. It goes right with vaccine product liability and an end to big tech censorship. And so those three bills, I'm, I think I might – sort of market them as a package uh, to people, to uh, media and to legislators and say, you're going to take one, you might as well take all three because they're all critical. They're all very short in terms of uh, reading. You can read them in about 30 seconds, the, the, the key parts. Uh, they don't cost any money. There's no budget required for these. Uh, they don't you know, take huge multiple pages of law. They're basically you know, a few sentences or in the case of the vaccine product liability bill, you know, we're changing basically two words. You know, where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. Well, we change not, uh, we change shall not to shall be fully liable. You know, so it's a, instead of not, we just say fully. Uh, and so that's the big difference. So we changed a couple of words, but that reverses everything. So when uh, Congress made this bill stupidly and Ronald Reagan signed it back in 1986 to uh, give blanket liability, uh, immunity to big pharma, they went crazy. And now they have like 72 some odd injections for kids, uh, none of which are any good for anybody. They're terrible. Uh, you know, we've got the rise in autism, allergies, everything else that's happening. Kids are just in terrible shape because uh, of all these shots. And the, the crazy part is most of these diseases are so rare, they don't occur at all in the United States. And if they do, they're treatable. So there's no reason to get a vaccine ever 
anymore for any reason. Not that there ever was, um, because they, they've always been bad. Uh, they just don't do what they say they're supposed to do. They don't. And people say, but wait a minute, you know, the vaccine came out and the disease was cured. Well, it was pretty much already gone before the vaccine came out. That's the point. That's how they do it. That's how they make it look good. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to, to show how effective something is, before, you know, after it's not needed. <laughs> yeah. You know, anyway, um, Josh, have you had a chance to, to take a look at uh, either of those bills, uh, either our big tech uh, censorship uh, elimination bill or the um, our vaccine product liability bill? Because those are really key. Um, the big tech censorship thing was uh, more my priority of focus because okay. uh, uh-huh. uh, I, I don't I don't uh, well actually after Elon Musk bought uh, Twitter that that actually turned things a little bit sweeter because he had the ability to make it a little bit more comfortable on the floor. Um, well, outside of I, that, really, you know, it's funny. I wrote Elon Musk's company several times. Of course, the Dominion's. You know, never pass it on because all companies and all, all you know, decent, really good people uh, are surrounded by idiots. <laughs> I know they are. I mean, I, I try and get through it, but you can't get past the, the, the guardians. So that's my biggest problem with Action Radio reaching someone like Elon Musk is there's too many idiots that you have to get through first. And they don't understand. So I sent him the big tech bill. I said, Elon, dude. You know, uh, let me let me save you forty three billion dollars. <laughs> Rather than spend forty four billion on on Twitter, why don't you spend a, a you know like a billion marketing uh, this bill for uh, big tech uh, censorship elimination, and we can clean up all of big tech, not just not just Twitter. Of course, they never got back to me. It was too bad. I, I actually would have taken half a billion, you know, ten million maybe. I mean, it really wouldn't have taken that much to make that a major issue, because the big tech bill is is it's a little more complex than some of the others, but not much. It basically says that um, big tech, uh, you know, and they're called interactive computer services. There are providers and there are users. We are users of interactive computer service. Providers are big tech, Google, Facebook, social media, search engines, things like that. So right now, the big tech, and rightly so, has immunity from anything that the users do. So in other words, if you, you know, download how to make an atomic bomb and you actually try to do it, that's on you. That's not on. That's not on the on, on the internet. It's not on Google. <laughs> okay, uh, it's a really dumb thing to do too. But uh, but it's not on Google. They're not responsible for your insanity. Uh, they just provide the information. You know. But that's up to people whether to use it or not. It's the use that makes a difference. Anyway, um, so we keep the immunity for social media uh, companies and for search engines. You know, whatever anybody does with that is on them, not on those folks. However, the difference with our bill from what Congress did, is that immunity liability uh, is conditional uh, for big tech and, you know, and search engines and social media. It's conditional on them not touching anything anybody posts. So rather than give them the authority to, to remove you know, the very few really bad things out there, you know, child porn, you know, uh, graphically violent stuff, things like that, um, we said, no, you can't touch that stuff because, first of all, it's already handled by law enforcement. We have obscenity laws, porn laws, child pornography laws, things like that. So that stuff can be removed already by duly sworn you know, law enforcement people. So there's no reason for, for big tech to have that authority. Secondly, they've abused it um, by uh, this clause that says they can remove anything that they find objectionable. Well, what they find objectionable are conservatives, you know, or stuff that tells the truth about government, or stuff that told the truth about COVID. So anything that big tech found objectionable, Congress said, well, you, know, you can take that off uh, the Internet. Well, that's insane. So what my bill says, very simply, is that they get immunity from what other people do with their stuff, social media and search engines. However, if they touch 
an account, if they touch a post, if they touch a messenger message, if they arrange search results, you know, in any way other than the raw number of hits, then their liability immunity uh, is revoked and they can have their asses sued off. So that's basically the big tech bill. It takes a little longer to explain, but uh, they have immunity for what they do. Um, but if they touch anything that you do, then they lose their immunity and you can sue them. That's basically the bill. Yeah, you're sidestepping the, uh, the protection from 240 there. Yeah, I get it. No, that was, that was Section 230, 230, not 240. 230, 230. Right, so what, what, what protection did I sidestep? Because I think I mentioned it. No, you, you sidestepped. Um, no, the, the entire thing was uh, that you could be a platform, not a publisher, and when they start acting as a publisher, which is what you're talking about there, you uh-huh. sidestepped that. Yeah. No, well, no, I actually, I actually covered that. So let's, let's, let's use that language. So what is a publisher? Um, the Washington Post is a publisher, right? So if they publish uh, an article that says uh, um, Donald Trump Jr. sleeps with fuzzy blue teddy bears, okay, a libel, slanderous article, they're responsible for that because they're a publisher. So they can be held liable for that. Okay? So I didn't sidestep that at all. You know, but the difference is that uh, Big Tech is not a publisher. And see, that's the difference. They're not listed as publishers. They have immunity from what goes on the Internet in the same way that the phone company, you know, whatever phone company you have, is not responsible for what you say. If you threaten a public official, if you threaten the president of the United States, that's on you. It's not on the phone company. This is why gun manufacturers aren't liable for, for people that use guns in murders. You know, car manufacturers aren't liable for drunk drivers. You know, how people use the products is on them. You know, Louisville Slugger is not uh, liable for murders committed with baseball bats. You know, the same way. Big tech is not liable for what you do on social media um, and on search or with search engine results. You know, because they're not publishers. They're not classified as publishers. They're providers of a service. So because they're not publishers, they're immune from what you do. So my change in the law that says, okay, if they're immune from what users do, then they can't touch anything that users do without losing their immunity and being sued. See, that's the difference. So now they can't remove your posts. They can't touch what you do. Now, is this to protect the child porn people and the, and the, the violent graphic people? No. No, that's, the law enforcement handles them. This is to protect the honest law-abiding citizen that simply wants information, wants to use social media, or has a controversial opinion. See, that's the difference. So, yeah, I do handle can, it. I just, I, didn't, I just didn't use the words that can, you, were, can I, you were using. Sure. Yeah, I apologize. Can I interject on that? I mm-hmm. think, I think um, the punishments, because everything is so public these days, uh, I think the punishments should be a lot harsher. Punishment, punishment for what? what? What kind of punishment? Uh, no, no. Are? When you go out of your way to do something publicly, I think mm-hmm. the public – the fact that you're going out of your way to do it publicly for attention, I think that um, that should play a role. Give me an example. Are we talking about committing a crime or someone that wants to, uh, uh, you know, get attention for a position? I want to get attention for my drug bill, for example, the bill that the bans drug advertising. I want to get as much attention to that as possible. So is that what you're talking about, or are you talking you, about? And I and I hope you, yeah. I hope you succeed. I'm saying okay. that um, I don't know. Maybe one of those uh, legislators down in uh, Nashville throwing hot coffee on people and then uh, yeah 
they had well, that's an interesting the insurrection case. on January 6th, and then they had another uh, capital. Yeah. Well, let's well, not well, equate well, it with anything how else. How do we say that nicely? What? How do we say Why? that nicely when it, when it was? No, no. <laughs> calm down. Calm down, Greg. No. Uh, it's not an insurrection. Why should I calm down? So, I'm on the radio. I never calm uh, down. I'm a, I'm saying uh, it's a penetration of a building, unfortunately, against the building's will. You know, I don't know what an insurrection is. Wait, you saying the building was raped? Is that uh, what you're trying to say? <laughs> what are you talking I about? would never say that. I would never well, say that. Well, I just that. did because I want to clarify your position. <laughs> no, you I think that this. entire thing is ridiculous. What's ridiculous about yeah. it? Yeah, no. What's ridiculous? Um, because one thing happened um, in Washington D.C. and then another thing happened in Nashville, and they yeah, were that, pretty that's similar. What we call a, that's what we call a false equivalency. You had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. One one, were, one was a coup where the federal government was stolen by the deep state within the government, it, and the other was a couple what? of radical legislators that stop. Wait a minute. Let me finish. The other was a radical, uh, violent demonstration by a couple of legislators who uh, should who were kicked out for their horrendous behavior because they broke the rules of the Tennessee legislature. The two have nothing to do with each other. They're completely separate events. Right. Right. When did the coup happen, though? That, that's why I'm confused. Well, the coup happened when, uh, when the, the uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the FBI operatives and mercenaries went in uh, and stopped the count of the Arizona electors because Arizona had two slates. They had Trump electors and they had <sighs> Brandon electors. So, so the, the coup leader is Mike Pence who said, no, you can't consider the Trump electors. He didn't send them back to the states like he was supposed to do. He lied when he said he couldn't send them back. Actually, that was his only legal option, was to send back both sets of electors to the states, states of legislatures and say, you guys sort it out. Send us back one slate of electors. He should have done that December 15th of 2020, but he didn't because he's part of the coup. Okay, he's a traitor. Let's just say it bluntly. So Mike Pence, leader of the coup, along with uh, Schumer and Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and all the other deep state twiddlies, John Bolton and the whole you know, permanent war class, the people that wanted to choose the government instead of the American people choosing the government, they staged a, a, an event, a false event up top, you know, what I call the Capitol Hill invitational walk-in. So they brought a whole bunch of – but here's, here's what the flaw in the plan was. And I don't know if Trump knew this or not. This is still – I even had Christina Bob on the show, and I asked her, and she, she couldn't tell me. Um, because she, she knows and couldn't tell me or doesn't know, and maybe it's not true. But Trump started his speech one hour late. So by the time the Arizona count came up, and there were, six, there were seven battleground states, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, they all had two sets of electors, um, both Trump and, and Brandon. And so the first one alphabetically was Arizona. And as soon as the Arizona you know, state came up um, to be challenged and see where they go back in, into their session and debate, you know, which set of electors to, to choose, the, 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 the coup happened. It's not an insurrection, it's a coup. So the government was stolen. How they did it, they broke into the, they opened the, the Capitol Hill police, opened the doors, said Antifa, Black Lives Matter, FBI operatives and mercenaries, Ray Epps, come on in. <laughs> they opened the doors and they said, they were even pushing people into the building, right? They gave, uh, you know, this guy, I've forgotten his name, but they call him the QAnon shaman, which I hate that name because that's meant to make him look like an idiot. And a, and a coup conspiracy weird person. Anyway, so they take him, uh, the Capitol Hill police take him all around the Capitol and photograph him, right, in an escorted tour. So I call it the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. And so that was a distraction from the real coup, which took place under the Capitol, where all the arms were twisted, 
where all the members of Congress were told, uh, Christina Bob said, that they were told, you don't want to be like those insurrectionists at the top. You want to vote for Brandon, you know, and bring peace to this country and get this over with. I think it was a lot different. I think they were told, if you don't vote for Brandon, you're not going to get your campaign funds. You're not going to get your committee chairs. You're going to have a miserable time in Congress. So shut the hell up. Do what we tell you. You're in Congress now. Forget what they told you before you ran. You know, we own you now. We're your party. And the party told the members what to do. And so dutifully, after eight hours of uh, walking around the Capitol and Ashley Babbitt being murdered by Michael J. Byrd, who still hasn't uh, mm-hmm. had any, uh, any consequence for killing Ashley Babbitt. We had Ashley Babbitt's mom on the show. Okay, so I know a lot about this. Anyway. Um, yeah. And so after, the, uh, so after the, the Capitol Hill walk-in and the murder of Ashley Babbitt, when uh, Congress started in session again, you know, they were all convinced uh, of what to do. So they didn't take up. They all voted for Brandon in all those, all those battleground states. So the Trump electors are still out there. They've, they haven't been decertified. They're still real and alive. Trump can take office any time if enough states, you know, revoke their Brandon electors, which are fraud, obviously. Uh, that's been proven over and over again. Uh, and put in the Trump electors. But they won't do it. And at this point, I don't think it makes as much difference because Trump is getting so much stronger. Uh, if he tried to take the White House now, a lot of people would look on that with disfavor, even though it's the right thing to do, uh, legitimately, legally, and every other way. And so the real coup, the real coup happened under the Capitol while people were walking around upstairs. And it was required that people walk around upstairs so nobody focused on what happened under the Capitol. But that was the real coup. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So when uh, when Trump gets elected again, are you uh, expecting his hair? He's going to go super sane. Wait, wait, explain it again. What is Trump going to do? What are you asking me? <laughs> Uh, One more time. No, I'm, I'm saying uh, well, no. When when Trump gets elected again, because he he's way ahead of everything when it comes to DeSantis. All well, DeSantis was never a candidate. DeSantis isn't a candidate. I he know. Declared. So I don't know why people are talking about. The only people talking about DeSantis are those that hate Trump. They're trying to draft him. No, no. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, it was important to understand that that no, uh, DeSantis might have considered it. And he was like uh, on the line, like, oh, am, am I? Am I not? Yeah, he he was way behind before Trump endorsed him. Nobody would have voted for DeSantis the first time if Trump had not endorsed him. Mm-hmm. But agreed. Yeah. Now here we are today. Trump is probably going to win twenty twenty four. And well, I don't know if you have been doing arm circles. <laughs> What are arm circles? Because I don't know. Uh, you you stretch your arm. It's uh, you stretch your shoulder there. Okay. I need to sum up because yeah. Derek's on the line. We're gonna talk money here. I'm sorry. Okay. I said I need you to sum up because Derek's on the line. We're gonna talk money now. So what's your okay, what's your no, your, your conclusion? Okay, sounds good. All right, let me bring Derek on here. So still working on a theme for you, Derek. I'll get it uh, one of these days. I've been so busy lately. In fact, uh, the last thing was uh, last night I finally got our, our drug banning bill um, out there. And so it's, uh, it's a busy time. How are you doing? How's the market looking? What's happening? Good morning, sir. Market, market uh, seems like it's improving. We've got a, a good, uh, good inflation numbers. Um, you know, the market had an, an immediate negative response, which I couldn't quite figure out. But um, yesterday huh. I kind of worked it all out and um, – Things seem to be on the up and up. Bank earnings came in this morning. Um, all banks, uh, based on interest on, you know, the the higher loans, um, all of them had a profit hit. You know, so all the big ones. That was J.P. Morgan, BlackRock, 
um, uh, Wells Fargo and uh, City, I believe, was the other one. But City, I think, was yesterday. Well, how does this happen when the economy sucks? <laughs> I mean, you know, interest rates are, are going to go well, up, and the inflation is bad. Um, these people are all what? Just I don't know. Just, well, everything's great until it crashes, or what? I mean, I probably shouldn't use that word. Yeah. But, you know, so what's um, what? It, is, why? It can send the wrong signal. Um, you know, but you have to understand that you know loans are are costing more. Um, right. You know, the interest on those loans is is a lot higher, which means the bank can profit from that. Right. Um, you know, uh, products that they're offering in the bank are offering higher interest. Uh, banks also profit from that. You know, I mean, they're using your money when you buy a CD to go do other things, right? They're just guaranteeing right. you a, a return in the interest rate, and they're going buying mm-hmm. the products that are returning a better interest than they're offering in the CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so um, to me, it it it, it makes sense. Um, you know, there's a there's a uh, a formula. Uh, and you can Google this because it's, it's kind of hard to articulate without showing you. But for every 1% the um, loans go up in mortgages, mm-hmm. the banks mm-hmm. make about 30%. So how does that work? 30% what? Of uh, so extra profit? 30% of the extra profit, yeah. So it's like saying, you know, for every 1%, if it goes from 4% to 5%, the bank's profit margin goes up 30%. It's like 27 and change when you do the math on it. But, you know, I'm just trying to put it in the numbers. Um, You know, so for every 1% spread, they make 30%. You know, it's interesting that um, even in a bad economy, certain industries do a whole lot better. You know, the golden age of Hollywood was during the Depression. Uh, alcohol, yeah. <laughs> you know, even the legal during prohibition, you know, the bootleggers um, mm-hmm. made a, made a fortune. Certain industries do well regardless. In fact, I think movies do better, uh, do better when the economy is worse because people need more escape. So they want to go to the movies more. Um, so it's really interesting how this works. And it looks like banks do better. I know the government does better because you said during high inflation, because they make, uh, you know, the, the taxes go up, everything goes up as the dollar devalues. Um, I heard an economist just the other day saying the dollar's down 15 cents since Brandon took office. So in other words, your, your dollar right. is only worth 80, 85 cents of what it was worth, um, you know, when Trump was in office. That's huge. Right. Yeah. Well, that's 15 yeah. percent inflation. No, yeah. 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 Well, I, I, yeah. I tagged you in something that somebody posted that, uh, you know, was, was uh, you know, one of these arguments about inflation. And, um, you know, it was uh, Joe Biden talking about inflation was already here when he got here, and then it showed – um, inflation well, in said. January, in January of, uh, of 2020, um, you know, in January, 2020, when he took office, um, you know, it was 1.4% and then, or, or not 2020, um, was it, was it 2020 or 2021? I can't, I can't remember. He took office in January, uh, oh, Brandon took office January of 2021, uh, January okay. 20th, well, inauguration day. My, so my brain that's okay. No, it's, it's yeah. kind of weird because the elections the year before, so the 2020 right, election, right. you know, then in November there's the transition period, and then the president, you know, is inaugurated. And of course, except in the case of Brandon, where he was installed, <laughs> but that's another story. Right. We'll talk about that some other time. Um, but yeah, but as far as I was concerned, the minute Brandon hit the White House, the the the, the real inflation started. So to say that, in fact, I missed that article that you said. I'm sorry, but uh, that's that's like a revisionist history. It's revisionist economics. You know, they say, well, it was really worse under Trump. You know, gas prices really higher under Trump. And that's when they'll, they'll give you the price of gasoline a year ago rather than give it to you during the Trump administration when it was like a buck eighty-five or less around here mm-hmm. in some places. You know, so that was mm-hmm. the real price. 
So you got to compare, you got to compare at a proper rate. If you compare Brandon's, you know, bad economy to Brandon's worse economy, then the bad economy doesn't look so bad because that's your comparison. It's like if you look at all of politics, if you, if you say that the Republicans are right wing and the Democrats are left wing, and that's the only sliver of politics you look at, you know, there's an entire range of totalitarians and anarchists and centrists and moderates and everybody else that have nothing to do with the, the left and more left uh, Democrats and Republicans. It's the same thing. You, you, yeah. you look at too narrow a slice of the information. So this is, you know, but it's, it's fascinating how much the government does profit off inflation. So they don't care. The Federal Reserve, they don't care. They're making money because the worse the economy is, the more people have to borrow. You know, the more credit cards go up, the more expenditures. What's happening in the credit market? Because I know people are borrowing more, which means people are probably defaulting more, which means credit companies, they, they have to be losing money now, especially with the interest rates they're charging. What's going on with them? Do you know? Say that again, the last part. Well, credit card companies, and then we can talk about mortgages. What's the default rate, and has that affected the market? Because the higher these prices go and the higher the interest rates go, the more people are not going to be able to pay their mortgage. If they, figure, if they budgeted for a for – I don't even know what housing you know, prices are, but if they budget for a 2% mortgage and it's now 8% or whatever it is, I don't know, or whatever the range is, that, that could be out of most people's budgets. So then what do they do? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know the, the, the credit card rates are up to, you know, I think the base rate's like 18.99 prime rate or whatever they're going to call it. Um, that's not to say that every credit card company is charging that. Um, you know, um, I mean, I know mine. I mean, I've got, you know, uh, pristine credit. And, you know, mine on, on the cards I use are like 18.99. I just don't let money sit on them. You know, so yeah. um, I did see an article that was that was saying, um, you know, credit card debt is climbing because of inflation. But inflation report last month, we, you know, or this one that just came out was was good. Um, so if inflation is on the way back down, the problem that we're really having is uh, the consumer is showing resilience. Now it is on its way down, but you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it was basically showing through inflation is that the consumer was more resilient than um, than they thought, you know, which hmm. means that um, it, it's it, inflation will persist longer if everybody continues to, uh, you know, continues to buy the same way that they do. So um, has the credit card rates had an impact on the market? Mm, you know, I mean, I would say no, um, you know, as a, as a whole, but does it help bolster uh, credit card companies' profits? Absolutely. I mean, Visa and yeah. Mastercard during during high rates, uh, good good moves, <laughs> you know. Or or American Express. I think American Express is uh, one of Warren Buffett's bigger holdings, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. And they charge their their retailers the most. It was like four percent for using yeah. an American Express card. Yeah, good racket. Uh, hey, like the... three, three and a half <laughs> is an extra premium for any company that runs American Express. Uh, wow. Well, just out of curiosity, you may not know this, because this is, this is a bizarre question, but if the credit cards are 18%, let's say they're 20%, you know, once they get above prime, whatever extra they charge, what's the loan shark rate? <laughs> I mean, do, 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 can, you, can you talk to Vinny, you know, you know Vinny in New York? <laughs> we, 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 need a, we need a mafia contact to see what the loan shark rate is. I mean, what, what do they charge? I mean, I just, is it 50%? <laughs> I mean, this is a weird question for a finance guy, but I'm just curious. How bad are these interest rates, you know, compared to, to criminals, what criminals are charging for money? I was just curious. You may know nothing about it, but, you know, you know me. I had to ask. I don't, actually. I mean, you know, I mean, I know they exist. I just don't know. Right. I don't know, um, you know, um, 
I don't know what they charge. <laughs> would, it, would it be interesting if, if the credit card rates were actually getting close to the loan shark rates? So, yeah, we'll right? talk to, uh, maybe we'll talk to a godfather and we'll say, hey, you know, we want to know. If, uh, are we better off with the loan shark or the credit card? You know, we, we got to find out. <laughs> anyway, don't mind me. Hey, Gregory. Fun. Gregory. What, Josh? You, yes. want that, you, you want that $40,000 loan, I get it. I didn't say. You're going to have to pay back $70,000 uh, about a week later. Or yeah, we're going to kneecap you. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want. You know, what, I want a better accent. <laughs> Josh is on the line. I, yeah, he's, that's he's fair. That's too. fair. Yeah. Okay. Now, anyway, that's fine. Um, let's get to the report before we get too far off track, and then I have some questions uh, on a bunch of different okay. issues. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Markets close sharply higher as inflation data shows signs of moderation. Stocks close sharply higher on Thursday as the producer price index inflation data surprised on the downside, coming in at a 2.75 percent. Excuse me, 2.7 percent uh, year over year for March, uh, well below last month's 4.9 percent reading. This comes in after headline consumer price index. Inflation in March also lower for the ninth consecutive month, in addition to jobless claims inched higher last week, up to 239,000, another sign that the labor market might be starting to soften. Equity markets were higher across the board, while bond yields also climbed as investors welcomed the better inflation and labor data. Markets are still pricing in about a 70% probability of a 0.25% Fed rate hike in May, um, during their meeting, although they expect a pivot to rate cuts by the second half of the year. In our view, the uh, Fed most likely has one additional rate hike ahead of it, followed by potential, uh, potentially a longer pause in the rate hiking cycle. Page two. <laughs> you got to do it like Paul Harvey, though. You got to go, page two. Uh, you, you do that. You do that. Well, just you give me what I'm supposed to uh, say it. Yeah, all right. I got you. U.S. equities closed higher with the Dow up 383 points or 1.14% to 34,030. And the NASDAQ closed up 237 points or 1.99% to 12,166. The S&P 500 closed up 54 points or 1.33% to 4,146. And in the bond market, the 10-year Treasury yield is trading at 3.5%. Uh, 4.4% higher by 0.02. In the commodity market, the price of crude oil was down 95 cents uh, or 1.14% to 82.31. And the spot price of gold was up $30 or 1.49% to $2,055. This is Derek Park, the uh, Action Radio Financial Reporter. You can get me at 850-995-0082. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you, too, for the, the comment you made. Um, Josh doesn't know this yet, but I'll, I'll let everybody, everybody know that uh, I found an award uh, from Jacobs Media. And Fred Jacobs, a friend of mine, I've known him for a few years because he's been watching what we do here at Action Radio. And he wrote an article several years ago saying that radio needs a brainstorm. And I wrote a comment saying, you know, dear Fred, <laughs> it's already been done. <laughs> We've been doing it here for a couple of years now. Uh, and this is about from my first or probably maybe like my second year here uh, at Blog Talk. And I've already been doing uh, Action Radio at W. Before that, and so he writes back, and oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm gonna watch you. It's like great, keep watching. I said, I said, hopefully you'll write an article and a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, so they have this award uh, for radio's most inventive, and so I'd already just lost out on another award that I think um, 
really went to uh, it, it was sort of excluding folks that weren't LGBTQ minority folks, which you know I'm not. I'm you know a straight white guy, uh, and so and none of the finalists, uh, every every finalist was of a minority or LGBTQ person or an audience, and so I thought that was unfair. So I'm going to talk about that later. Anyway, so I didn't obviously I didn't get a finalist in that competition. Well, that was a few months ago. So then I hear that uh, Jacobs Media is running their own competition. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. So is radio's most inventive. So I said, well, let's try again. So then I got the idea. I said, well, how about if we have, uh, uh, I put it, we have a group chat for all our reporters. I said, if you folks want to, uh, you know, write a note, let's let's have all our reporters, you know, check in so Fred, you know, gets to know us. This guy's Radio Hall of Fame. He created the classic rock format. He's brilliant. Um, but uh, like everybody else, they're, they're kind of waiting for us to do more. And as they're waiting, you know, I'm waiting for them to do more. <laughs> you know, come on, report on us. We'll mm-hmm. do more. <laughs> you know, more people will hear about us. Anyway, so thanks for your note. I really appreciate it. Um, so that was helpful. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'll let you know. Um, so if you see yep. a big uh, award plastered all over my Facebook page, you know, Action Radio Citizen Legislature, we can all uh, we can all <laughs> take uh, take part in that. That's going to be fun. But that's the kind of thing we need here. Anyway, so that's that's uh, that's uh, definitely a cool thing. Um, let's get back to the economy. The, the the you said earlier that they're trying to reduce buying by raising interest rates, but consumer buying is what drives the economy. That's one of the one of the biggest factors. You know, so it's it's the accelerator and the brake. You know, we want a growing economy, mm-hmm. but uh, we don't want people, you know, spending money so the economy grows. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. And that's that's not well, the problem anyway. The problem you, is printing money. You know, so, so what, you, what are people saying? I agreed. <laughs> agreed. But you don't want you don't want a growing economy right now while inflation is high. Um, you know, so the the two are counterproductive. Um, there was a number that I, I may have forgot to point out to you, and it was uh, uh-huh. it's a number you would have liked to hear, but. Um, and I'd have to go back and find where it was, but it was how much how much deflation is happening right now. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the key to this whole thing. Right, right. Now, they I, were saying that the number the, the number when inflation was high, you know, what I mean, def- deflation was at like point one percent or point two, um, mm-hmm. you know, based on average goods, and that number is now up to like four point nine percent or five percent. You know, what I mean that it's that it's deflating, you know, each each month. Um, month by month, you know, so, um, you know, it, it's a number that you would like to see, but unfortunately, you know, I mean, you want a growing economy right now, or you said, you know, people want a growing economy, which people do, which would make the markets do better. But, you mm-hmm. know, until we get back to a baseline, you know, none of that's going to happen. And then additionally, until rates get back down to a baseline, I would say, you know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Fed funds rate at four and a half or four and three quarters with the rat right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or right at five, I'd, I'd have to look at it again. I know they're they're very close. I think it's four point seven five, but um, you know they're at four point seven five. Um, you know it's it's um, uh, you know a, a historically high number. You know I mean they haven't seen these rates since oh six oh seven. You know what I mean hmm. so historically, I mean for some right crash too long ago. <laughs> right that? before the last right before the last really bad time in two thousand and eight. So yeah. Yeah, well, well, what the Fed was trying to do then was, um, you know, they noticed, it, and, and here's where they made a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they noticed that uh, banks were having surplus issues, so the Fed and their and their bright ideas thought, uh, or not having having surplus, they weren't having enough liquidity, you know, because of the loans that were defaulting, and that was based off a of policy that was done during the Clinton administration that was, uh, you know, everybody gets a loan. I can't remember what it was called, but basically they loosened up the rules to get a loan. The- Community and, Reinvestment Act, I believe is the title. Yeah, 
And, and, you know, I mean, that, that was the result of the financial crisis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they issued all these loans, which resulted in the biggest default in U.S. history. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Fed and their, and their bright ideas thought, you know, hey, um, we're, we're having a problem with liquidity with banks. So let's go ahead and start raising the rates. And, you know, let's let's make it to where they have to hold more money. Well, the banks, even though they were raising the rates, the panic started to set in that the banks didn't have the money to cover them. You know, so then there was a, Which they don't. a good old fashioned. <laughs> they well, don't. They, they don't. They don't. In a sense, um, you know, most of the time um, the banks have to have, you know, the big bank has to have something like. You know, the Fed sets that limit. It says based on the size of the bank, you know, Wells Fargo has to have, um, you know, $200 billion in liquidity. Or, and I don't know what that number is. I'd have to look it up. They, they, well, you it's can a discount rate, that. isn't it? It's like 10 to 15 percent, depending on how the, the, the Fed's set it. Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, so, so they set that rate and they say – uh, okay, you have to have this available in case there's a run on the bank, right? And then they don't have to have it immediately there. When you sign all your documents open your bank account, you're basically signing a document that says, hey, if you ask for an inordinate large amount of money, we don't have to give it to you. You know, so <laughs> it, it's probably because they don't have it there. You know what I mean? Like realistically, I can tell you an instance that I just encountered with, with somebody that I know where they wanted to pay cash for something because it was a friend and they didn't want the friend to have to pay taxes on it. They go to the bank for $50,000 because they had it in cash, and the bank told them no. The bank said, <laughs> you need to write a cash Surprise. check. So he said, yeah. he said, I tell you what, I'm going to give you to tomorrow. And he said, and I'm going to go to the local news source. I'm going to buy an article and tell them how well you do business and see how it works out in this community. Guess what they had for him that day? The use of the media is, is, is huge. So yeah. you know, people will be able to do that well, with us when we, we uh, have you know, a gazillion yeah, listeners. But, yeah, it's a local yeah. bank. You know, it's a yeah. local bank oh, yeah. that, uh, you know, you would know that a lot of people do business at. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a, an, old, an old guy that's been around this community for 40 years. So, man, mm-hmm. if that dude spreads something, man, it's, it's going to grow like a virus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, that's so, the nice uh, thing about this community. Yeah. We all know each other. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Right. I mean, people, right. you, know, no, you know, people may not uh, always like what I do on the show, but they know about it. <laughs> you know, at least a lot of people do. Sure. Uh, and so right. that's, that's kind of funny. We're, we're, this is like Mayberry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a small town here. Uh, especially Milton, right. you know, and Pensacola is, you know, bigger, but, you know, we, we still know a lot of those folks too, but it's really, mm-hmm. I, I like that though. You know, I like having more of a community. When I was in the San Francisco Bay area, nobody knew anybody. You didn't even know your neighbor. <laughs> nobody knew anybody. Yeah. It, was, it was, it was crazy. Right. Was, uh, me, you know, let's go to Mayberry. Let's go back in time. But uh, the, this contradiction, uh, see, I don't, so when, when people talk about deflation and inflation, there's real deflation and inflation, which is the money supply, and there's the broadcast false deflation and inflation, which is the prices. So the prices are right. a result of the money supply. But when people say, oh, inflation's up, prices are up, well, prices are up because the money's not worth as much. So if it's real right. deflation, they're actually deflating the money supply. They're actually taking money out of circulation. Now, are they doing that, or are they talking about price deflation? Because the market's so depressed because nobody has any money, they're not spending it, um, that that's what's causing the prices to fall. So is it price deflation or is it money supply deflation? Because I think they're still printing money like crazy. Um, I don't think they are, um, and I'd have to go research that. Oh, okay. That. Well, tell I me. Have. I don't, right. I don't have. And in, in, in my personal opinion, the reason I don't think they are is because of where we are with inflation. Um, oh, okay. You know, I, mean, I, I personally think that, you know, the – the the Fed, you know, who's supposed to operate independent of, you know, the presidency and any of the other cabinets and, you know, so on and so forth, right? 
you know, uh-huh. I, I, while I, I agree with that and I disagree with it, um, I would say that, and this is an opinion, this isn't a fact, I'd have to research it. My opinion yep. is, is that, you know, after the a vast amount of spending under the current administration and realizing what happened, you know, they're backpedaling upstream. Um, so I think the fact that they're that they're having to do that is the reason that they're not continuously printing. Hmm. Now I think right now, because our bonds are worth their weight in gold, I think um, I think they're printing more bonds to back up, um, you know, any backlog in currency that was either printed or or that they failed to do, um, so they can sell those bonds. The problem is, is you know, our national debt is soaring because of that. You know, so, um, you know, the, 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 the government, you know, hopefully, you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen during this administration, but the next administration that comes in, whoever they are, um, you know, starts a cycle of less government spending and, you know, starts calling some of those bonds to come back so they can reduce the national debt, which I doubt will ever happen unless the government completely stops spending. Um but, Funny you should say you that. Know. Well, not stop spending, but stops borrowing. Well, this is why I'm, I'm curious to see if our constitutional amendment uh, that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. Uh, I'd love to make that an election issue. And a lot of times things, you know, it, it's like Pat Buchanan never expected to win the presidency, I don't think. But he changed the debate. That bill would change mm-hmm. the debate. Now, if it causes Congress to, to stop borrowing <clears throat> uh, or, or go back mm-hmm. on borrowing and actually start reducing the debt, that would be a good thing. You know, that'd, I'd be happy with that. I'd be a lot happier with this amendment passing because I think it's the right thing to do for the country, for, for our posterity uh, and our economy for, for you know, time immemorial because I don't want the Federal Reserve. We can get rid of that. I'd like to go back to – I've been looking into uh, uh, JFK's silver, uh, silver certificates and silver dollars, you know, and, and mm-hmm. tying the dollar, you know, getting rid of the Federal Reserve note and changing it back to – this was his executive order in 1960. I'll probably be talking about this next week sometime. Uh, I've got to do a little more research right. on it. But apparently that executive order is still in place. We could go to a silver dollar, a, a real dollar backed by silver, a U.S. dollar run by the, printed by the Treasury uh, anytime we want. So that would be very interesting to see happening. Um, that's something right. I think Trump, Trump would do. In fact, I'll be, I'll be talking to folks I know in his campaign, you know, uh, his people that have been on the show um, about that, because that would be absolutely critical for this country. Get rid of the Fed, go to a silver-backed dollar and a gold and gold-backed currency. Uh, and stabilize it and, uh, you know, freeze the, the money supply so that the, as the economy grows, the dollar becomes worth more. There's your real deflation. That, that would be real deflation. So I, uh-huh. I agree, but this is where I would disagree with you. Um, you know, a gold-backed dollar or a, gold, a silver-backed dollar, either, either or, or both, um, mm-hmm. one, there's not enough gold in circulation or silver in circulation to back our dollars. There's not. Oh, that's interesting. Next that's good to is, know. Yeah. Next, next is it would take them something like 15 years to even come close to mining, you know what what is there, um, and then if you start adding other world currencies and things like that, it's 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 impossible. It's it's could it be a possible number in the future? Absolutely. Is it something they could do right now? No, it can't be done. And that's that's you know there's conspiracy theories on this and. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and I think the conspiracy theories do hold water with with the stuff that's there. I'm not going to say that it doesn't because I do always believe that there's you know some shady things that go on in our government with people that have mm-hmm. money. Right. <laughs> you know, so how about uh, that? You know, I, I I wouldn't not believe that. You know, what what I do believe is the reason they went away from that from the gold standard is mm-hmm. not some deep dark thing. It's that that it couldn't be maintained. Um, you know, so um, at, at that point in time, you know, when it was done, 
um, uh, what was that? Uh, what was the guy? The the Vietnam guy? What the hell was his name? Watergate. Nixon. Nixon. He was down under Nixon. <laughs> yeah. That guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. Um, you know, so, okay. so you know, I I I I don't think it was some deep dark conspiracy. I just think at that point in time, yeah, it was a capability. But you know, we don't have a control over enough gold mines in the world to make that happen. So what would we okay. have to do? We'd have to buy, which creates another debt problem. Yeah, yeah. So what would be a, a, a good solution uh, then is not necessarily to tie it to gold. And this is my other option. It's just to fix the, the level of the currency. So in other words, fix the amount of currency. So that would have the same effect. Yeah, so, so what they could do, I mean, in, as an alternative, um, instead mm-hmm. of having a gold-backed currency is have a have the bonds backed by you know some type of precious metal or some type commodity right Hmm. i I don't necessarily say and what that would basically say is is if the bonds fail we will pay you in gold right you know so that that basically means hey we'll pay you in some other form of commodity or currency or you know know, i wouldn't necessarily say currency because you know every currency is a fiat currency except chile Hmm. uh chile is 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 uh theirs i believe is almost predominantly backed by gold. But you're talking about countries that don't have the same population or the money flow as us. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to do with a country that's significantly smaller. And, you know, I mean, all these people that compare, they're just like, oh, well, you know, uh, Denmark has like the, the greatest healthcare system and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, well, their tax rate's at 50%. <laughs> you know, people can't afford to buy yeah. a car over there. Uh, and they have what? You know, 5 million people maybe <laughs> or less? Oh, right, <laughs> you know, right. You know, population of 30 million. Than Denmark. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One, you know, 10% of our population, you know, um, and not to mention mostly homogenous, right? You know, so, you know, with, with different ethnicities and different cultures and things like that, you come with different um, ailments and different diseases and different, you know, different things because, you know, all people don't share the same problems. Yeah, well, you're not going to get a lot of tropical diseases in Denmark. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, I could pick on and bring him on because I know you only have a couple more minutes here. Um, but uh, like I say, if if we take away the power of Congress to borrow money, and which would negate the need for a Fed because the, 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 what the Fed does is controls inflation when the when Congress borrows money. So you don't if you get rid of borrowing of money, you don't need the Fed. And if if Congress can hold the money supply fairly constant, then that would that would be fine. Uh, that would have the desired effect. It doesn't have to be backed by gold. If the bonds are backed by gold or silver, that's good too. But I think it's more important to hold the money supply constant because that will get rid of inflation. And if the borrowing is eliminated, that will get rid of inflation. So there's no reason to print money if Congress can't borrow it. So they, if they can only spend what they take in, that's great. What's the problem? You know, that's why states don't create inflation. So I'd be happy with that. Um, Pianki, do you have a question yeah. for, uh, for uh, Derek before he goes, which is, could be any time now? Yeah. Go ahead, Pianki. Yeah, good morning, Derek. And Derek, hey, more. there's not enough physical gold. There's not enough physical gold in the world to match U.S. unfunded liabilities, which is about $180 trillion. I mean, that's just Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. That's a good point. How's, has yeah. the market even thought about that yet, or are they just not dealing with it? No. I mean, the market, the market would never even think about that because it's not something that can be priced in, right? You know, I mean, you're 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 trying to back a a, a liability that you don't know is going to come to fruition. Um, one and then two, there's not enough money to do it. So you have to be like, well, that's where that's where countries get credit ratings, right? You know, our credit rating. Let's rewind history a little bit. Our credit rating used to be a triple A, um, and there's only like, I think it's six countries in the in the world have a triple A credit rating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, uh, two of them are one's New Zealand, one is Australia, um, and the other one is uh, Iceland. Uh, I know those off the top of my head. There's a few <laughs> others, and I have them on a list on my desk, but I can't remember them. But um, in 2014, U.S. credit rating was downgraded from a AAA to a AA. So that's basically saying, hey, Uncle Sam pays his bills, but he might be a little late sometimes, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, that's that's exactly what it is, right? When you go to a, a single A, it's like, okay, Uncle Sam pays his bills, but he's late a little more often now. And that doesn't look good on a, you know, on a, on a world scale when you're 24% of the world's economy, right? You don't want to have a bad credit rating. Makes sense. Yep. So, so hmm. yeah, while there's, while, while there's, while there's not enough to cover our liabilities, not enough precious metals, not enough anything. Um, yeah. I mean, ideally, you know, that's where your credit rating comes in. You know, it's the good faith of the U S government that they're going to pay their debts. Right. Um, and they always have, I mean, like, it's just what happened with, uh, in 2014, um, there was a default and that was under, under Obama. Right. Um, it was a default because, uh, you know, they couldn't come up with their budget numbers. And, um, you know, U.S. was late making their bond payments by, you know, one month, you know, but still it, it was late. You know, late is late, yeah. right? That makes a difference, yeah. But there's, there's a fundamental disconnect because people, you know, they, they always use the argument. We should talk about Janet Yellen, who I don't even know what she's doing there other than lying. Because she's either a total idiot or, or a total propagandist, probably both. But uh, they keep saying, you know, we have to raise the debt ceiling to pay our obligations. And what I'm telling people is that they make obligations that require raising the debt ceiling. And that's, that's wrong. They shouldn't be allowed to, to borrow money that uh, they can't pay for with current funds. You know, so they, they, it's, right. it's like saying to your credit card company, you know, I've, I've got uh, you know, a $10,000 limit on this card. Well, I'm going to borrow $12,000 worth of stuff. We can't do that. You only have a ten thousand dollar limit. No, you. Ha- I'm going to buy it, and then you have to raise the limit to match how much I bought. That's what Congress is saying, and people yeah. don't get that. So we're not meeting obligations. They're making obligations. They have no uh, business making, and they're being allowed to do it because they can borrow money. They can vote themselves. Right. You know, if I could vote myself a credit card increase, yeah, I, I, who knows? Million dollars. <laughs> a million dollar yeah. credit card. You know, of course, the financial system would collapse if we all did that, but it'd be really fun for a while. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. if you have to go, I understand, and we should get your phone number again and, and where you're located and that kind of stuff. Anything else you want to give? Uh, or do you have a couple more minutes? Yep. What's, what's, what's going on? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more, one more uh, tidbit, and then I've got to go here. But uh, okay. uh, last tidbit was uh, something that I posted on, uh, on Facebook for you just, uh, just a few minutes ago. Oh. Uh, you were asking about the uh, Anheuser-Busch thing. Yes, yes. Tell me about yeah. uh, Mulvaney. It was on my list so, of things to talk so about. The, the teenage girl. The fellow, you know. the fellow up there <laughs> is absolutely right about the 52-week high. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that part. What I won't agree with is um, the 52-week high is setting a 52-week high that was in the middle of a market correction, right? Oh. So it's kind of a little bit of a skewed number. So the 52-week high, if you go back to May or April of last year, you know, right. I mean, yeah, they're at a 52 week high off by like two dollars, so that holds water. If you go back to 2021, when we were at the peak of the market, right before the correction happened, they're down 20 percent, right? And if you go back a little bit further, um, you know, to like 2020 at the peak of the market, then they're down 30 percent, 27 and a half, right? So if you compare them to their peers, i.e., Stars uh, or Constellation Brands, um, Tap, which would be um, Coors and Molson. Those mm-hmm. are only down like 10% on average from their highs, 
Mm-hmm. So if you go back two weeks from – or three weeks or two and a half weeks from when – and I posted a picture on there for you uh, – okay. from when Anheuser-Busch started their campaign, <laughs> look how far they da- are down in relation to their peers, and I think that'll that'll spell it out for you. Let me tell you – yeah, the person that made the comment was uh, Michael Volpe. He was on yesterday. He's a investigative reporter sure. with mostly uh, family law stuff. Uh, which is definitely yeah. cool. Let me just get my economics project yeah. here. Let's take he's, a look. he's absolutely right about the fifty the fifty two week high, but there are some other statistics that I would take into account. You know what I mean? And and um, I, I in my personal opinion, you know what I mean, I, I you know, companies are free to do whatever they are, but when you have a bad marketing campaign, if you look at the, the picture that I posted on that conversation thread, that will uh-huh. basically build the picture of what a bad marketing campaign looks like. <laughs> oh, I see what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's and how much? Well, if you have another minute, how much of this woke nonsense? How's that affecting? You know, what happens? You know, but who buys Budweiser? I, I don't want to be associated with girly beer. I mean, I gave up Budweiser a long time ago because it tastes like crap. But uh, you know, give me real beer. You know, give me craft beers. I want I want stuff that tastes good. But for those that, that like it, you know, you, you take your regular guy, your blue collar dude, you know, going to the, the the pub at the end of a week or a tavern, he's not going to order Bud Light anymore. You just want to be associated with a man dressed as a teenage girl. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- this is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so, I mean, I, you know, hey, a Guinness isn't a craft beer, man, but it's good stuff. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, you're, 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 you're an aficionado of that. I just don't. I'm, I'm sorry. Because I don't, yeah. see, I drink so yeah. few beers a year. I've been drinking maybe like three all year, <laughs> you know. So for me. Well, I'm proud to say that I've been, if when it comes to light beer, I've, I've been a Miller Light drinker for many years now. So <laughs> I used to so, be a Bud right. Light guy. But, Let's, uh, okay, so what's the difference between Miller Light and Bud Light? Forget uh, the me, advertising. To me, it's product wise. Little, little, little a uh, little bit more of a fuller taste uh, if okay. you're wanting a light beer. You know what I mean? And, and like I love Guinness. I love the flavor of Guinness, but it's a loaf of bread in a bottle, man. You're getting. They, they, they actually oh, yeah. in, Ireland, kidding, in, in Ireland, they actually prescribe uh, Guinness to pregnant women because there's so much iron in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the carbs that are in it, geez, geez. it's like triple what every other beer is. <laughs> okay, so go for a bike yeah, ride. Get some exercise, dude. You know, you're young and uh, healthy. I just did, man. I was, I was at the gym last night. I did, did my <laughs> workout, man. Okay. Yeah. I went for a 14-mile yeah. bike ride. Okay. You know, so I, I sort of oh, alternate yeah. between bike rides in the gym. So I my 14-mile bike ride. Uh, on the trail here, Blackwater Trail, or I've got my, mm-hmm. my gym. And so I kind of like alternate back and forth. But, yeah, I'm still trying to get back to my pre-heart surgery weight. Got about another oh, yeah. 30 pounds to go. Yeah, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah I got I'll, you. Well, I'll let, me, to... let me step out, Greg. It was a okay. good conversation. And, uh, yeah, should, uh, thank you. Should, should see you next week. Yeah, just uh, the last Friday of the month, I won't be here. Um, it's a, I got a got an out of town thing for my daughter, so um, just Aww, a heads up. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, take all the time you want off. I just appreciate you when you are here. So that would be the twenty seventh. Is yes, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, correct, twenty eighth. So let me just bring here. Uh, right yeah, that one. Whatever, whatever that one is. The end of the month. Yeah, I don't. I'm not good with calendars. This, I, numbers suck, so that's why I, <laughs> I, I, I have. A, I have to write. If I don't write it down, it's not real. <laughs> I've, you know, yeah, that's why, that's why exactly. I don't forget. You know, people showing up on my show. It's like, oh. Who's that person? They're on the schedule for tomorrow. They have to like do some quick revision. It's a long story. Anyway, get out of here. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Greg. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, you too. See ya. <sighs> See all the fun we have on this show. All right, let me get a new page of uh, of notes here. We're going to take a break. Let me uh, check in with Pianchi here before I go. Um, there's so much bad information about the economy. You know, I was talking. I was listening to a report that says that inflation measured the old way the pre-Bill Clinton way, it'd be about like 18, 20%. And that's about how much goods have gone up in price. So how people can, can 
listen to a, an official inflation report, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent, whatever it is, and then see that the price of milk, butter, eggs, cheese, you know, bread, all the basics, meat, you know, have all gone up, you know, 20, 30 percent, 40 percent, sometimes 50 percent, and say there's only six percent inflation, that's insane. I mean, they might be measuring just the, the well, money supply, but they're not, but the actual price, price inflation. Uh, is a lot higher than uh, than the actual you know money supply inflation that's causing it. Well, most people don't even know what you're talking about. They don't understand. Mm-hmm. I think the simplest way to explain inflation is that this loaf of bread that you paid a dollar thirty cents for a year ago, now you have to pay a dollar seventy nine. The yeah. candy bar is now two dollars and nineteen cents, where at one point in time it was about seventy cents, even twenty five cents. So the I remember five cent candy bars when I was a kid in Australia. We had five cent candy bars yeah, how back go, in the sixties. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, how you go about trying to explain mm-hmm. uh these uh, people today just don't understand. You got a multiplicity of reasons. You got mm-hmm. and and I always point to one and that's the education. Kids are not being educated, they grew up to be a dumb adults, a naive adults. I mean, I didn't have economics till college. I mean, I think it should certainly be taught in the high schools, and we talked a little bit about it, but uh, I didn't have a great economic knowledge till college. So that's something that we should definitely improve. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. When do you start that kind of stuff? I mean, you know, all the things people hear on the news would be fair game um, for anything to do with education, I would think. Well, you know, necessary course of economics is just simple math. And then yeah. you look at, the, for instance, like minimum wage. Well, what was given in minimum wage to bring it up to those attractive and awesome sounding numbers have been eaten up by inflation. And also workers, I'm sorry, employers cut hours. So the it wasn't no win-win situation at all. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the minimum wage. Uh, as I've been doing my Substack articles at gregpengulis.substack.com, and I got Kyle on the line. I'm going to bring him on uh, just a little bit uh, too. Um, I came up with something called the total revenue index. So, so the, when we measure the minimum wage, we're not really getting a total picture. And so, what I came up with, and it was based on a an article from Cato, uh, which said that people making the minimum wage, and with all the government benefits, you know, in the, in Hawaii, were making the equivalent of about seventy five dollars an hour. Uh, if you take all the housing benefits, the Section 8, uh, the minimum wage, the, the the welfare, the WIC, the food stamps, everything else, it was about 75 bucks an hour. People in Mississippi were making about 30 bucks an hour. Well, the minimum wage at the time was about five. <laughs> you know, so the point was, it, it paid much more to be on welfare than it paid to be uh, than it paid to be working at the minimum wage. And so, of course, the minimum wage was never intended to be a lifestyle wage, a life wage anyway. It's just intended to get you some money, to get you some training, so you could go out into the market. And, and make more money, you know, once you graduated school and things like that. So I came up with something called the total revenue index. So what I did was I said, okay, how much is a person making if you take into account their minimum wage, their food stamps, their everything else like that? And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll publish that article in a little bit. But uh, it, it was an interesting. I still think it's a valid concept that when someone says, I only make so much on the minimum wage, I can't live on it. Okay, well, what else are you living on? Are you getting food stamps? Are you getting welfare? Are you in Section 8 housing? That all counts. And you can actually break that article broke it down to an hourly wage and usually it's about nationally on average about 50 bucks an hour if you take all the welfare so and plus the, a minimum wage job well that's pretty good most of them, that's more than most people are making you know the average salary 
Well, that's ridiculous. You should never have people able to make more money uh, than people can make working. That's crazy. And yet that's what happens. Bianchi. Well, when you talk about uh, limiting Congress' ability to borrow, but mm-hmm. you also got to limit their ability to spend. Hmm. That you might run into a constitutional issue there. But if you limit, if you take away their amendment, yeah. like the Missouri Hancock, the Hancock Amendment, and that's what it's going to have to take because they spend money in these areas that has the boomerang effect because it comes right back around to them. Look at all the profits that uh, your pharmaceuticals, you made mention about just the ads. Mm-hmm. So that money that they're spending comes back around and it's used to fund campaigns for politicians and all these other devious ways that people don't pay any attention to. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was listening to, uh, there was, there's a Matt Gates special. Um, on One American News, he was talking about Big Pharma. And Big Pharma has, you know, several lobbyists per member of Congress. You know, each member of Congress has their own Big Pharma lobbyists, plural. That's how much money these people have. Uh, They spend $6 billion on advertising per year. uh, And for every $1,000, that's 24 new customers. So, I mean, they're making just obscene amounts of money. And I wouldn't mind that if they offered a good product, but they don't. Most of those products are dangerous. It's been Kyle in the conversation here from uh, California. Haven't heard from him for a while. You've been sleeping in or what? What you been doing, dude? Welcome back to the show. Uh, all, all the above. My head has not been in, in the game. Oh, okay. Well, time to get you back in. <clears throat> we have, we've just been talking economics because Derek Park does his financial report uh, from 730 to 8 uh, Central Time. But I have a new bill. And it was actually worked on by a listener and Dr. Judy Mikevitz on the show. They actually wrote most of this together. And then Linda kind of wrote up everything and I just put it together, you know, last night. Um, it's a bill, very simple bill that uh, redoes uh, 21 CFR section 202.1, which is prescription drug advertisements. And what the government has now is a massive multi-page, incredibly complex set of rules for doing drug advertising. So what we said, actually what Linda and uh, Judy said, it came down to this thing here. We just did a straight ban on advertising. So part A, advertisements or advertisements for prescription drugs are strictly prohibited in all electronic and print media, uh, including but not limited to television, radio, telephone communication systems, websites, online video platforms, newspapers, magazines, and other public periodicals. That's part A. Part B, drug companies are only permitted to advertise drugs directly to healthcare professionals. So we ban advertising for everybody except uh, the docs and nurses. And that's it. That's the bill. Real simple, real straightforward. Just well, I just got a, back yeah. on Zo- a Zoloft for the second time in my life. I'm 57. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's not an oh, no. This is, this oh. is an example of I, I agree with you most of the time. I, the fact that I call you back should be in itself uh, a compliment and a half. I shouldn't have to bo- boost your ego because, again, anybody that continues to call back appreciates what you're doing. I don't, oh, know, I don't know how many people have called as many times as I. I'm sure the gentleman you're talking is t- called way more times than other people call more times. But Pianchi calls most year, days of the week, and I'm glad to have him. So that's, that's, you know, that's, that's great. Right. But we, we, this, we, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. we got to get to the point where we don't have to stroke each other's ego and we just get down to the basics. Well, um, I, uh, you know, okay, fine. I feel great. Yeah, my ego's in, in, in fine shape. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> it's okay. So, but what's, okay. Uh, well, what's got so you then, then? Zoloft, when I was 25, got me out uh-huh. of the hole. 
okay? Uh, huh. Medicine, I, I'm not a big fan of medicine. I don't know what you're all-knowing about, but Zoloft got me out of the hole. And and I asked my family doctor to give me some Zoloft. He says, what the hell for? I said, I need to get out of the hole. I, 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 he says, what do you mean? I go, I'm 57 now. I said, uh, the, the long term of life, the, the whole thick midlife crisis I found out is not what you haven't done. It's that you're bored of so many things. I said, so I need huh. to get out of this hole. So I'm taking Zoloft for a month or two or three or I don't know how long. So I'm a big fan of the right medication at the right time. But, yes, it's being abused. Obviously, the whole medical field's being abused. But isn't everything. It, it, it's just one big greedy society. And most of us are children. And I'll full circle around here, Greg, and just remind you that my estimation, and I'm a marketing guy, in, in Sacramento, 7% of us are grown-ups. 7% of the population in Sacramento are actually adults. So until oh. you change that across America, none of this is going to change. Okay, I'm thinking, how, how is that going to work? What do you want to change? Uh, it's going to be a long road, my friend, because most of this country is a child. Greedy. Greed. I, just, I wrote down greed when you guys were talking, and I realized the essence of the word greed comes from child. I want, I need. So this whole point is I love everything you're doing and all, but I'm just reminding myself with my own project, PNG, People Not Globalist, you've seen it, that oh, yeah. as, I'm, as I'm tackling these things, and I've been tackling the same things you've been tackling for a long time, uh, you know, the radio show that I had back in 2012, whatever it was, is that you can't get a child to go along with you. Well, that makes sense, but I mean, that's because they're kids. I mean, I don't expect them to have the same, uh, uh, the same thing. But from what I remember, though, of Zoloft and the other, I guess they call them serotonin reuptake inhibitors, if I can work that into the conversation, uh, there was a report that came out sometime in the last year that said that uh, that chemical imbalance in the brain they talk about doesn't exist. So that's doubt it. I don't know that's why, why I'm it questioning. works, but God does it. Huh. And again, I'm 57, remember. I haven't done this since – when I was 25, I, had, I called it my quarter-life crisis. And I took right. it for about six months to a year. I was, in the, I was working in the valley. I was bored. Basically, I was bored. Basically, two, two years of being kept in by weak Democrats will make the Zoloft prices go to – or the need go through the roof. But basically, I need life again. And so to get out of the hole, I'm using Zoloft just to kind of – give me that crutch. Maybe it's something that I don't even need, but I think I do. Maybe it's essentially somebody could have given me a, a salt water pill or whatever, and I didn't, but I just needed something to, like my doctor said, why are you taking this? I said, I need to get out of the hole. Okay. Well, I'm just looking at the contraindications. I pulled up the physician's desk reference on Zoloft. You've got tartazine dye hypersensitivity. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, they got some other things here. Then they have uh, abrupt discontinuation. You can't once you start it, you can't stop it. Avoid abrupt discontinuation. Uh, gradual tapering is recommended during. The, 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 okay. Otherwise, you get you know uh, a whole bunch of bad things: dizziness, vertigo, nausea, vomiting, flu-like symptoms. Uh, but the part I had here uh, was let me see what else we've got here: children growth inhibition, suicidal ideation. So I would check the, the adverse effects of this stuff. We've got to safety and efficacy, da -da, established, da -da -da -da, results. Yeah, da -da. Okay. So anyway, so, so check out the different sections here. I, have, I don't have time to read it. I'm on the air right now. But I would look at uh, 
Here we go. It says, the need for an antidepressant in children or adolescents for any use must be weighed against the risk of suicidality. It is unknown if this risk extends to long-term use. So anyway, they're already talking about it. And this is my concern with these, with these particular drugs is, is, uh, is the, the suicide and the, and the homicidal you know, tendencies if they're used too long, too much, or whatever. So I just, I mean, amen. I'm not a doctor. Amen, I mean, amen. You know. But what if you didn't take it and you were going to jump off a fucking bridge? Excuse my French. Okay. Um, good question. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. You think know. it's helpful? See, I don't you think know it's helpful if somebody's going to jump off a bridge and they decide to take it for a month or two? And it keeps them from jumping off the bridge? Yeah, see, I would question whether it would keep them from jumping off the bridge or something else. Of course you would because you're very opinionated. And I sense that about you from the time I first called in. And I love you. Well, of course. But, you know, I, I, you, need, I, I, you need strong pe- people to banter both sides of you. For instance, non, I love Ju- Ju- Judy Makovich. Love her. Judy Makovich, love her. But the fact right. that you can take out advertising, how do people find out about things? Well, the advertising still goes to drug professionals. What we're saying is that people shouldn't be uh, um, exposed to so much drug advertising that they think the drugs are the answer to all their problems. And they run in and you know get this pill and that pill and everything else. And this goes to the doctors that are now being demanded that they supply every pill for everything. You know why Amen. is it that only so we, why is it that only two countries in the world allow direct advertising to consumers? The only two countries that allow this are the United States and New Zealand. Why New Zealand? I don't know. I think that's fascinating. Um, but uh, you know we don't allow cigarette advertising. And cigarettes have no good qualities to them whatsoever. Nothing good comes of cigarette smoking. I wouldn't make it illegal, it kills every but fifth I, I wouldn't person. advertise them either. What's that? It kills every fifth person. Come on. We, yeah. need to, we need to minimize the population, don't they tell us? Don't they tell us that? That's what the vaccines are for. But that's another story, too. The point is that, that direct the advertising has an effect. I mean, you know, listen, if people want to find sure. out about it, that's what doctors are for. We're talking prescription. We're not talking non-prescription drugs. We're talking prescription drugs being advertised. Oh, I hear you. Got a lot of, so, so I think so there's got to be somewhere, somewhere in the middle where they mm-hmm. can – maybe it's in your bill because I haven't read your bill. But maybe uh, you know somewhere in the middle where people can find out about these things, but not just through their doctor, because most of these doctors are yahoos. Well, they're prescription drugs. They have to get it. They can't get them unless they talk to a doctor. So why not go to the doctors? Yeah, but how do you know it exists if you don't, you know, if, if you don't see it on an advertisement, if you don't know, you know, what's something about it, or? Well, your doctor can tell you. You can look it up online. It's not like the information's banned. I just looked up the physician's death reference for Zoloft, and there's this, this a long list of things under uh, you know contraindications. You know, like it's oh, so long. There's a long list of every medication you take, and I don't recommend them. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to take okay. it for more than a month or two or three. But what, okay. what you know, again, it gets you out of the hole. I don't know if it's the placebo effect. I don't know what it is. Well, if it's Maybe the doctor effect, should just then, give him a sugar pill from time to time and tell him that tell him everything that's going on. I don't know. Well, see, that'd be see, now that'd be healthier, quite honestly. Well, of course, yeah, it would. If you look at uh, we we did a whole show on this recently. In fact, now, Pianchi, feel free to join us here. But we did a show recently uh, tracing the uh, the ADHD drugs given to especially boys in school, the Ritalins, the Adderalls, things like that, uh, and those have suicidal, homicidal potential side effects. Then you have the, uh, the next set of drugs, the, the psychotropic drugs, uh, the, the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the antidepressants, you know, the things like that. This is what you're talking about with Zoloft, and a lot of the school shooters were on those. You know? And then you get the, the third wave of this is the trans, uh, the puberty blockers, the hormones, uh, the mutilation of kids' bodies. You know, you, you we're creating assassins with the combination of all these things. So I'm not in favor of drugs being advertised at all, prescription drugs. Not at all. 
You know, I'm pre open market, free market guy. How many people die a day from suicide? I don't know. I wonder if we ask them, how many of you, and let's say there's five a day. Like, that'd be my guess. You know, who knows? Well, there's 22 military, 22 military people a, die, a day die of suicide, which is ridiculously high. One okay, is so high, let's but, say I mean, 30. You know. So 30 okay. people a day. I wonder right. if we ask those 30 people a day, hey, did you ever try a drug? Did you ever try medication? Well, you'd have to take out the people that committed suicide who are already on those drugs. Right, but you're not answering my question. How many of the 30 didn't take a medication, didn't try Zoloft, didn't try anything, didn't try their doctor giving them a sugar pill and lying uh-huh. to them? I'm just yeah, saying, giving be careful sugar pills of is actually what malpractice you, you know. because they're not giving the drug, they're not getting the medical, uh, you know, attention that they're, they're they think they're getting. So that's, I have a problem with sugar pills. I mean, it's nice to have a placebo effect, but. Lying to patients is, 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 I would say, illegal, too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to your question. I mean, how many people committed suicide who were on the drugs? Right. I don't I mean, know. That's, that's, I, that's I, the flip side is, of it. The point, the point I, I, go, I go back to child versus adult, what drives me nuts. And by mm-hmm. the way, I would love, I love when I got on the phone and you were talking about the actual per hour, whatever these people are making. Have you ever done how much taxes we actually pay. Does the average person work till July to pay their taxes? Has anybody added up all the different taxes from property taxes to food tax to booze tax to this tax to that tax? Yeah, I think Tax Freedom Day is is May or June or somewhere like that. In other words, when you stop working for government, you start working for you. I can look it up right now. I remember when it was about February. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, Pianchi, go ahead. And I'm going to look it up as you guys are talking. So Pianchi I remember meets, about uh, the member of February, in the middle of February for people in my industry. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's, gotten, it's going to be uh, December the 1st pretty soon. <laughs> I've got to think it's half the time, half the year. We spend half of our time working for the government's pensions and their waste. Mm-hmm. Tax Freedom Day uh, is in four days. <laughs> so they're saying um, 2023, it's Tuesday, April 18th. So next Tuesday is Tax Freedom Day. That, that yeah, might just that be federal. Just has something to do, that probably has something to do with the day we pay taxes. But what, how, are they saying no. that? No, it, ex- it extends every year because in 2020, it was April 15th. 2021 was April 17th. 2022, 18th. Uh, it's the same thing this year. Next year is going to be uh, – it's actually going back to April 16th next year. That's kind of interesting. I guess they're anticipating a cutback in taxes. So they're saying January, February, March, April, about four months, a little less uh-huh. than what we've worked for the tax man. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Wow. But that might just be federal. Now, don't forget, well, if you can limit, you can, you, there's a couple things you can do to limit your taxes. One, don't buy as much stuff. That'll limit your sales taxes. Um, but that doesn't help the economy. Um, but the biggest one is to move away from states with an income tax. There's a reason people are moving from California to Florida. You've got a 13% maximum income tax. Now, in California, you're paying more tax because you've got, you've got an income tax uh, for the state. You've got higher taxes on everything else, sales tax. You, the gas tax is, what, 50 cents a gallon? Oh, God, That's yeah, an, I think it's 80 now. 80 cents a gallon? Oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It no, might I believe be up to you. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's insane, especially since yeah. in California, you have a separate formula of gasoline. You only have three refineries that produce it. 
Um, one of them is usually down for maintenance. And if another one goes down, your prices spike like crazy because you just don't have the supply because California refuses to take gasoline made um, by, uh, by anything other than California refineries with their special formula. It's crazy. So you, you artificially California limit the supply of gasoline. Legislators, California okay. legislators have paid about 115000 a year, and New York paid about that amount, too. Mm-hmm. Tennessee has paid 23000 by the way. <laughs> I love, I, I love Ju- Judy Makovich. I love the bills you're writing, all of the above. How do we get people to grow up? Oh, that's that's beyond the scope of the show. I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I deal with the grown-ups. I don't want to deal with the kids. Although we have our youngest reporter is sixteen, and she's brilliant. Right, you but know, she's so she's it, a it, she's an old soul. She grew up early. Yeah, she's also. How do, how do we get, How do we how do we work on? I'm I'm asking the, the the your audience that's listening. I'm asking you know the two of you. I'm I'm just realizing this. It all comes back to greed. And greed comes back to a child wanting more candy, right? And, you know, our forefathers... No, I wouldn't say greed. Uh, I would say power and control. Uh, If you want to have an educated population, the first thing you do is you get rid of all the government schools. That'd be the first thing. Uh, Education taxes go to to people with kids. Go ahead, Pianchi. Yeah, when you make mention of government schools, you make it sound like they're all controlled by the federal government. Government schools is schools that's controlled by the local community. If you want to call the governance of those, should be by the local community. So some of them are good, but anyway, the local community got the power to control their school in any direction that they think is best for their kids. Mm-hmm. Well, Pianki, if the highest official in a school were the principal, and the, there wasn't a, a county school administrator and a state administration, and if you didn't have the federal department of education, that might be a good thing. That, that actually might be a lot better. So if con- someone's got background noise, I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I think I'm hearing an echo of my voice. So if you're if you're not listening, you know, if you're listening on a com- next to a computer where the the show is live, it's it's feeding back. So I can nope. hear that. Okay, good. Anyway, um, but if the highest administrator, administrator of a school were the principal, and that was it, and they had no bureaucracy over them, um, then those, those schools could be, and the parents would work directly with the principal, and the, the, the teachers and the administrators within the school, you probably have a really good school system, because they'd be very reflective of the community, and people wouldn't learn exactly the same thing, and different parents in different communities would have uh, maybe different requirements, and that'd be great. I mean, diversity of education is fabulous. Well, the fact that Kids have to learn the same yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh huh. But that's not how it's working. It's the school board that controls the operations of that school district, and it's the people that control that school board. I mm-hmm. mean, even by statute. So if people don't do the thing that they should be doing mm-hmm. and providing the governance that they should be providing, then things run astray. Okay, Is your name Chappie? Pianchi. Pianchi, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. We have it. We had it. I know school districts. I know school districts that receive about ninety-seven percent of their funding from that governance in the local community. They don't take mm-hmm. money from the federal government. These public schools too, by the way, they take very little from the state, and they have well, some of the highest performance. But why couldn't they be run privately? Why, if, if a school is that small, if they're, if they're taking money from the local community, then why, would you, why couldn't they be a private school? Why would they have to have a, a school board? Why would they have to have uh, a state department of education? Why couldn't those schools just run privately? 
they have the state of Department of Education because the state is openly they're required to make sure the kids are being educated. But as far as private concern, they like the well, thing. Well, that's not working. That it, <laughs> yeah. Well, it does work in many cases, but not all cases. Mm-hmm. They uh, like, uh, they want the public schools because public schools have the things that you can't get with a private school. It has swimming pools, football fields. It has all sorts of things that you, it takes public dollars to run. But it's where these dollars are coming from. Because if you receive money from the federal government, then they want to tell you other things that you have to do. You know, I went to a private school in Melbourne, Australia. It had a swimming pool. It had athletic fields and all the things you're talking about. It was a fully private school. Now, do they get money from the, the state of Victoria? I don't know. Or the city of Melbourne? We got a private know. school, high school in uh, St. Louis, St. Louis U High. It costs mm-hmm. about $26,000 a year for your kids to go there. You got John Burroughs, which uh, Ezekiel Ellis, the running back for the Dallas Cowboys, went to. You're talking about $40,000 a year to go to. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's expensive. I mean, I, I understand that. But uh, I, don't, I don't see why a local community could not set up a school. Uh, you know, if, if you're in an area where, you, you know, where a private school couldn't afford you know, a swimming pool, then chances are a government school is not going to afford it either. I don't know how many government schools have swimming pools. They should, especially in Florida, if you're on the coast, because kids should learn how to swim. Well, at the high school <clears throat> level, you have a lot of But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We can't get around, and too often the time we cast blame in the wrong direction, it okay. still gets back to the people. It's the people that's supposed to have. That's what the liberty is about. It's not mm-hmm. necessary greed. It's the fact that you got liberty to go out and make as much money as you would like to in the endeavors that you think is best for you. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Put the word ex- put the word excessive in front of the word greed. A certain amount of want is healthy. A certain amount of greed is healthy, but excessive greed is not. And it's obviously found in the upper echelon a lot more, obvious or bluntly. But it's also found down below where you have money invested with your stockbroker and you have it in uh, a cigarette company, even though you know it kills every fifth person only because the, the returns are higher or whatever it is. There's, there's an excessive greed and or – I don't care what you call it, but gre- excessive greed slash childlike behavior. All of these things aren't going to get better until we become – there's a larger percentage of grown-ups. And again, Sacramento used to be, they used to, when I went to Cal Poly, studied marketing, St. Louis was to tell you what the the East Coast was doing, and Sacramento was telling you what the West Coast was doing. If you studied either city, you knew basically what was going on in the United States. So if I've done a pretty thorough marketing study here, and one guy actually who worked in uh, in a ward with a bunch of highly intelligent people, and a bunch of obviously interesting folks, he says, well, what is your definition of of an adult? And I said, an adult is somebody that thinks of others when they go to vote. An adult is someone that thinks of the state and the country and the the city when they go to vote. He goes, if that's your definition, I don't know any adults. So here was a guy working in Sacramento for the ward of 20 to 30 highly trained professionals, and he didn't know any adults by my my definition. So I don't care whether it's a public or a private. Well, by your definition, I'm not an adult. But, Michael, but your definition, I, I don't think of, of the, the public good. I don't believe in the public good. I believe in individual so, freedom. 
So when I go doesn't to vote, surprise me. Doesn't okay, surprise but, me. But wait a minute. Let me, you know, this, this, hold on a second. So because I mean, I want you to react to this. But to me, the greater good is the sum total of individual decisions freely made without government coercion. So to me, the adults are the ones that are the ones that are going for freedom, that believe in freedom, and that understand our founding documents, and know that the government has basically three jobs: to protect life, property, and rights. That's their job. And so I don't want somebody that's going yeah. to socialize and modify and, and take everybody's money and spend it on their pet projects for what they, they call the public good. So I, I would right. be against, but by your criteria, I'm not an adult, and I disagree with that. Pianki. Well, you're, you're, you're an yeah, adult most of the time, but some of the time you're not, and that's, that's something you've got to work on. By whose but criteria? Anyway. By, wait a minute, by whose criteria? <clears throat> I don't agree with that either. I don't consider it a quote quote minority color, skin color, but I don't agree with that either. I think well, that's you got you got some thing. things to work on yourself, and so do I. So do we, so do we all. Well, yeah, you should, you should be thinking of the state. You should not be thinking of yourself when you go to vote. You should be I thinking of your family at the, the, the hierarchy. All right, well, at least. Let's do it one at a time. Let's go back and forth. Pianchi, why don't you make a statement? You know what I work on? I work to make sure that my children have the best education that money can provide, and I pay for it out of my pocket. They didn't seek any student loans. And so now they got scholarships, but they got scholarships because they competed against others. It just so happened what they were competing in, when it was judged, they'd done better. But I detest this idea of that everybody has to be like spreading the ice on the cake where it has to be all even. That just ain't going to work. I'm not talking about being even. What part of well, anything I said has something to do with being even? The United States Constitution, it proposes and supports individual success. It's not group success. Like you got the Italians over there, you got blacks over here hollering, this, that, and the other. It's about the individual success. Individuals taking responsibility of their civic responsibilities to the communities that they live in. Everybody, if people were to live out their civic responsibility, it's things that you have to do in a civil community, and they call civic responsibility, and a lot of the problems that we have wouldn't exist. Hey, did you ever hear how many times Obama said the word I in any of his speeches? You talk about a child. He was the, he was the oldest, most prominent child I've ever listened to talk. That's why I didn't vote for him the second time. I voted for him the first time, believe it or not, because color of his skin. I said, well, you know, I'd like to see a black man as president. But the second time after I've seen what he'd done those first years and where he was coming from and all his rhetoric and that, no way I voted for him the second time. I voted for George Bush uh, Jr. the first time and surely didn't the second time once I woke up. I hear you. Anyway, I'm just saying is is that if my estimations are correct, that means this country is predominantly children across the United States of America. And when you have that running, whether it's your school system, whether it's private or public, or your government, you know, you guys are talking about government wanting money, government needing this. Well, what do children want? They want more candy. And when our forefathers now, got here, in, or when our forefathers got here, in conclusion, they said you had to be a landowner in order to vote, and you had to be. That's male. not true. Now that's not true. Show me anywhere in the founding documents where it says you have to be a landowner to vote. Okay, what is true? What were their restrictions of voting? There weren't. I mean, age, uh, geographic location. 
you know, it, we can go through the Constitution. I mean, that, but uh, show me where there are restrictions on, you know, specifically restrictions on voting based on white male property owners. I've never found that anywhere. I haven't found it. No, I'm not talking about white male. I'm just talking about a landowner. Where was that? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. What, what well, that's words what I'm saying. It, but it, what I'm saying is, I want to source on that. If you're going to make a statement that you know, because I've heard this over and over and over again, and I have yet to find uh, in law where where people were required to own land in order to vote. Terrific. I believe you. I believe you. You investigate. You're more of a minutia nut than me. You've investigated it. You found it to be incorrect. Okay. So what were the restrictions of voting? Were there any? Uh, color <laughs> when you had segregation. Um, various, the age is a restriction. You have to be a certain age to vote. Uh, the, the Constitution has age restrictions on running for office. You have to be 35 for president, I think 21 okay, for, so why for did they, Congress. Why did, they, why, did, why did they allow women to vote in 1919? Have they been voting up until then? No, they hadn't. Okay, so there were ma- you had to be male in order to vote. Mm-hmm. So that was a restriction, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I forgot okay, about so that Okay, so now what was the essence of that? Right or wrong? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying why did our forefathers come from all these other messed up countries and put restrictions on voting? Why would that be? I don't know. What did well, they the know? Restriction was on women. Restriction was on women vote. But remember, black males had the right to vote before white women did. And Jim Crow tactics in voting in certain areas of the country, especially South, didn't mean it happened all areas of the country. Because black males, black females were voting up north. They say that blacks weren't allowed to read. That's just not true. That's one of those cliches that sound terrible that they like to use. If a black male wasn't allowed to read, then how did you produce all these scientists and things in the early part of the 1900s that participated on projects like the Manhattan Project? Bianchi, I appreciate the black aspect of this, but I don't speak in anything other than human beings, male and female. So I'm just wondering why our forefathers come from other countries. They're all messed up. They, they're obviously messed up. They, tried, they went across an ocean to get away from it. Okay? If you have something so good, you don't come to California from the East Coast if everything's wonderful on the East Coast. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But you travel across the country to California because whatever you got in the East Coast isn't that good. So they left all these countries that weren't that's that good. That's why I went. I left the East Coast to California. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. the that exact was the opposite. Was the country that they come from. You know, I'm married to a woman from West Africa. You know what she told me? She said that she and her child, I, they are my property. That's their society. So the people that have come across the, the oceans to come here to the United States, that was the norm in the societies that they came from. Now, as time went by, they began to change those things. You can't – a leopard don't lose its spots all at once. It takes time. But we also learned that they weren't adults at the time. Let's assume something. Let's assume, since nobody's answering this question, I will boldly go where no one's going yet. Okay, I'm going to say that when, they, when we got over here and everybody settled in, for the most part, I, I've ran into countless women talking, and they don't even want to vote. They would prefer not to vote. This is today. This is two months ago, two years ago. Anytime in, in the last five years, I've run into countless women that just say, look, I'd rather not vote. Because a lot of people, male or female, don't want to grow up. Male or female don't want to grow up. So let's just say back then. Is that the reason they gave? Or what reason did they give for not wanting to vote? And I'd like to know how many men you talk to 
I bet you they're just you know what, men that don't want to vote. Either. Oh, sure, sure. I think there so should be what, restrictions on men voting too. You should have no, to no, be no, an no, adult no, to no. vote. I'm not saying about voting restrictions, but why? When you talk to these women, you ask them that they said they didn't want to vote. Why did they say? It? What was their reason? Didn't want to deal what with it. Reason? Didn't want to pay attention to all the different things. Didn't want to, you know, when it came time to voting, they didn't know what. Somebody tells them vote for B. They're like, why? They didn't want to deal with it. They got too many other things to think about. Okay, so A that's home, not unique to women. You know why they have problem with voting? Yeah, you know why they had a problem with voting? Because they're not using it right. They're told how and what to vote for rather than flipping that around and putting those things in place themselves, then sponsoring, then voting for it. That's the part where they are children. Children are told because they don't know, never experienced it before. And it's a bad thing when you have to learn from experience because that can be very deadly. So I don't blame them. They don't want to vote because it's too confusing for them. They haven't learned the principles of the things that goes into voting and why you vote before. They are told how to vote. For so many reasons, it's confusing. Amen. That's a whole other topic in itself. I'm just going back to the beginning and saying our forefathers realized that certain people should vote, and they put restrictions on it a little bit. Okay, I was wrong when I said the white male, whatever that aspect of it is, whatever. Sorry about that all, because I don't, I don't worry about all. I don't even speak in color. Oh, no, that's what we, we check. Sorry. I, I, I don't blame you for, for, you know, I mean, you can make a statement, but I'm just saying we're going to check it out. You know, because I like to investigate because I hear things all the time and you'll hear this argument constantly that uh, and it's used to as a put down, you know, well, the founding fathers were evil because they only had white male property owners voting. Well, first of all, that's not true. But secondly, what people don't realize is before the founding fathers, you know, nobody was voting. You know, everybody was a subject. I mean, people came here who were British subjects, subjects of the crown. They had no rights. You know, there was no individual. They were all the collective serfs, the subjects of whatever the crown, the only sovereign was it was the monarch uh, himself or herself. They were the only citizen. Everybody else was a subject. So the fact that we came here, the founders came here, and said that everybody is a citizen, everybody is a sovereign, okay? And yes, they might have had limitations, you know, at first, but the fact is the jump they made from nobody being a citizen to everybody being a citizen and then gradually bringing more people in, and eventually it took until 1964 until we had civil rights, which is crazy. Uh, that took forever. But the point is that it was a process, as Pianchi says. You know, things don't change overnight. And it does take time. There is an evolution. But the biggest evolution was from nobody having rights to somebody having rights. And then you just have to start including everybody else. But that argument, that's why I don't like that argument, though. Anyway, back to you, Kyle. Well, it doesn't, to me, you just have to, as been mentioned, you have to move with times. And there needs to be a modern day, I put this in Facebook so many times it makes my head spin, a modern day voting requirement. Call it whatever it is. Get three lefties, three righties, and three centristics. Put them in a room and come up with some kind of thing like you take with a DMV test. I don't care how you come up with it. But you say unless you can go male or female, I don't give a dog or cat, you have to be able to do these things or something in order to vote. You have to be 30 years old. You have to be 22. You have to be able to pass a basic understanding of math. I know people that voted for bonds and didn't know they had to be paid back. Why would you not vote for something if you didn't think it had to be paid back? You thought it was free money. So they, they, well, they thought that. What's yeah. that? See, what you, yeah, see, I wouldn't put restrictions on voting. I would have truth in, uh, truth in disclosures of information. So in other words, you know, if, if the government is putting out things that says, well, you can get these bonds. In, see, California is, just for those who don't know, California is way overburdened with bonds. And they say that, uh, that they're tax-free. 
Well, that's not true. They actually cost double the amount. When you pay the interest on the bonds, you're actually paying double for your bonds. So it's not like it's free money. It actually costs twice as much. But that's not explained to people. So if you have proper disclosure, then you don't have to limit voting. What you have to do is limit the lies. You have to actually talk about what's true in a bill. And that if you get a bond, you've got to pay the bond back, and you have to pay the interest on the bond. The reason that the state issues bonds is to raise a whole bunch of money up front to do stuff, like build the Golden Gate Bridge. That was done, actually, that was done with private bonds. It's kind of interesting. You know, the state took it over and it's been paid back, and uh, they've been charging uh, ridiculous uh, fees to charge the bridge ever since. But the bridge was paid for back in, what, 1950-something? <laughs> it was paid it, off like within yeah. 20 years. And it's supposedly yeah. a, a gotten to paint it and all this other BS. It's just more money that goes into the general fund than is wasted. No, they always have to pay Amen. Golden Gate Bridge is always oh, been paid. Oh, yeah, I get that, is, but it doesn't cost that much to paint it. Give me a freaking well, here's, break. Here's you know, the money they collect. You may not know. This is like tour guide knowledge. When we talked about the Golden Gate Bridge, because I crossed it like six times a day, um, the bridge is actually a lot lighter than when it was built originally, because originally they used lead paint, and lead paint is incredibly expensive. Uh, excuse me, incredibly heavy, because it's got lead in it, right? So when they took the lead paint off the bridge and replaced it with non-lead paint, they saved tons, literally tons, multiple tons of weight were taken off the Golden Gate Bridge, which allowed it to carry a lot more uh, vehicles, which was good um, during the 50th anniversary uh, when I was in the center of it with 300,000 other people, and it almost collapsed. That was an experience. Anyway, bridge is built really well. I get it. No one's complaining about that. And I'm just saying the amount of money that they collect all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway, come on. We, yeah. but, here's uh, the, but let's uh, get back to voting because you raised a good issue because uh, I've thought about tests too. And, and constitutionally, you can't do it. You cannot have voting tests or voting requirements. But what you can do is have knowledge requirements in school. In other words, as people are, are getting ready to vote in, in high school, you know, it would be nice to have uh, you know, issues discussed that are relevant to people who are going to be voting. Because high school is How are you going to get 18. the state of California then to be run by adults? Because right now the state of California is run by children. Well, it's, it's really run by socialists and Marxists. So children. I wouldn't. I would. Say, I disagree with your classification. You just said the same thing. You're, you're mincing mm, potato potato. Anybody no, that think, grows up and gets an education doesn't become a socialist. Come on, Greg. Keep this simple. We're complicating the whole issue. This I'm telling you. There's two people no, on the planet. No, I'm just not there's letting you. There's men and women, the and there's grown-ups, and there's adults. Or, excuse right. okay, me, children so I, and adults. I, uh, and this I, state I, of California is run by children. Okay, hold on. How I, else could you I, explain California? Why'd you leave? Well, because the taxes were too high, the regulations were too high. It wasn't a friendly place. It cost too much, uh, and I was never going to be able to vote for anything that was going to succeed. And it was Does a hostile environment. Does that sound like something that's run by an adult? Uh, see, no, wait a minute. See, I disagree with your classification. You can't break everything down to adults and children. It doesn't work that way. Obviously, these people are, are adults. You know, once they cross a certain age, they're classified as adults. No, they're now, not. Agree, they're yeah, older, agree, they're wait older minute, children. Wait, 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 wait. Whether you agree with them or not. A socialist, you can have an adult socialist. Now, I think they're wrong. I think they're disillusioned. You know, Bernie Sanders is like the ultimate socialist in the country. I would call him an adult, but I disagree with him completely. Now, I respect that he's, he's consistent in his views. He's never wavered from them. Okay? Bernie but, Sanders uh, is not wrong. an adult. He will not, yes, get he, in, he will not get in a room with two good adults that know their facts. He will never get in that room no, so because you're, he's you're, a child you're who wants a, what he wants. You're, so you're equating adulthood with agreeing with you, and I, that's where I think your premise is wrong. No, it's not. It has nothing to yeah, do with is. agreeing with me. Sure no, does. it isn't, Greg. No, it you isn't, said, Greg. Well, it's agreeing you, with you. Well, no, you just said you're not, well, don't make it personal. You just projected your own problem on me. You just projected your own problem on me. Don't project your problem on me. Whoa, the one is, is that you want people to agree with you. Not necessarily. If I want people to agree with me, I wouldn't have you on the show. You don't have well, to agree with me. Y- 
don't don't throw that on me. I'm not throwing that on you, you at all. Put the, you, I'm, you put those well, words well, into my mouth. I don't want those words in my mouth. Well, uh, I just want people just, to figure it out. I said earlier, one-third, one-third, one-third. Put three lefties, three righties, and three centristics in a room. Make sure uh-huh. they're adults, and everything will be solved in no time. One yeah, of the but if any of them are socialists, solve- you, do, you don't consider them adults. So you're going to throw out the lefties right away because you don't consider them adults. I so said they the could be in the room. your plan. No, I hmm. said they could be in the room. Don't, write, don't rewrite my structure. No, I'm challenging. I'll put I'm a child in a room as long as they're outnumbered by adults. Pretty soon yeah, that yeah, child yeah, will yeah. become an I still, adult. I still disagree with your whole premise. So you're breaking What's the world the into children and adults, and basically adults are people who agree with you, and children are those who are adults who don't agree with you. That's, that's pretty All right, much you what give you're me saying. your definition of an adult. What's your definition of an adult? Uh, somebody over 18. I think it's time we muted Kyle. I think Kyle needs to. There we go. So I think it's time to uh, take another Zoloft and chill out and call the show another time. There we go. Well, he's left anyway. Um, Pianki, that was interesting. Yeah. Well, made Marco laugh in. Think. Made Marco laugh in the Netherlands. Laugh in the Netherlands. He thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. You know, but uh, like I said, you challenge people's basic assumptions, and if you don't agree with their assumptions, then uh, you know I've never that, that was that was that was like psychological warfare. It was kind of an interesting challenge, um, but uh, didn't accomplish a whole lot. Um, we do have the ex, uh, the next hour free too because Candace is is out this week also. Seems like we have a lot of people out. So um, let me see. We've got uh, multiple definitions of the word adult. See, I define an adult as someone who's reached the age of eighteen. Now, that doesn't mean they're a smart adult. That doesn't mean they're a capable adult. That doesn't mean anything, but legally, they are an adult. They can sign contracts. They can get married. They can go off to war. They can do all kinds of things. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so, 18, so uh, Nellon says male, 18 also. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think a male needs a few more years. Of course, you know, a male, you can't rent a car unless you're 25. But uh, I think a male insurance. needs a few more years. Yeah, but that's but they're still an adult. We, you know, it's interesting. We have definitions of adult. I'll tell you what. Uh, I think we went through this before. It's kind of funny. You can solo in a glider. A car. What's it? You know, mm-hmm. you know what? It's car and hotel both. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You can't. You go and try to get a hotel, and you're under 25. They won't give it to you. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's discrimination. See, I, I would think uh, you know if you can drive, you should be able to rent a hotel room. You know, because you're either an well. Here's the thing: you're either an adult or you're not. I mean, drinking is 21. Some taverns, some taverns don't allow you unless you're 30. Where's this now? Some what now? Some bars won't allow you in unless you're 30. Yeah, because they don't want the rowdy kids in there. Well, Marco says that uh, here's what Marco says from Netherlands: is because there are multiple definitions for the word adult. Adult by law, someone who is 18 in the Netherlands, mentally adult. Uh, I'm not mentally at all at 45. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm 63 and I'm still growing up. So you know it's uh, you know, but I've been an adult since I was 18. Didn't mean I was good at it. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean I, I started college at 17. But here's something interesting about age. We're going to take a break here in a minute, and I got a bunch of issues. We can kind of pick one to uh, pick some of the many ones to go over. But um, but you know at uh, at 25. You know, that's when the, the rental cars will let, let you, you know, like I said, cars and hotels. So that's a credit card. That's an insurance thing. 21 um, to drink, uh, 18 to vote, and most other things you become an adult at 18. 
Uh, I think you can drive with a learner's permit at 16, 16 and a half, you get your license. 16 years old, you can solo in an airplane. And here's the one I find fascinating. 14, you can solo in a glider at 14 years old. Now, that to me is an adult thing to do. If you're flying in a glider all by yourself without an engine and you're coming down, you've got to make that decision. That to me is a very adult decision. And yet we let 14-year-olds do it who are technically children. I just find that interesting. Pianchi? Look at Oregon. Oregon has put forth a bill in Oregon, uh-huh. HB 2002, mm-hmm. that allows 10-year-olds to have abortions without parental knowledge. That's no insane. age restriction for irreversible gender-altering procedure. Now, these folks be grown people that's making these, uh, writing these laws up. Yeah, they're insane. They're still adults, though, but they're they're deranged. <laughs> You know, if you got a, if you if you have a bill that allows a this ten year old, this is worse than Obama. Obama said twelve. Why why didn't you vote for Obama the first time? You, because he was black. You said. I'm just curious about that. Because he was black, I was interested. I hear people say there ain't never going to be a black president. I say, well, if I can help it to be one, I'll vote for this one. Okay. He didn't have no he didn't have no history, like uh, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. of being able having been. Donald Trump has about, some say 250, as much as 500 conglomerates. So that there, he's coming to the table with some experience of not only dealing with business, but also you had to deal with politicians because, guess what? Politicians really, well, they don't. Businesses control politics. I mean, yep. that's just the way it is. Well, well he, he had would to deal have with, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he dealt internationally, too, and there's international laws, there's international politics, there's international bribery, I'm sure, too. So Trump had all kinds of – he had administrative experience. If, you run, if you're a CEO of a company, that's uh, – president is probably closest to the CEO of a major company uh, in, in, the, uh, in the ability to administrate and delegate and, and run a major uh, organization. So I, that makes perfect sense. But that's why senators make terrible presidents. Because they're, they're legislators. They deal in consensus. They, they always have to get the approval of their peers to do anything. They build voting blocks. And as president, you know, you're supposed to be the commander in chief. You're supposed to, well, actually, we'll talk about that sometime too. But it's a different thing. Now, Obama always struck me as a fraud. I never liked him, never believed him, and it had nothing to do with being black. I never even thought about that. It never, you know, I mean, I look at people, it, just, it really doesn't occur to me. You know, um, I thought he was dangerous. I always thought he was a Marxist. You know, I heard about, especially with his Muslim background, uh, I, don't a, I don't want a Muslim Marxist, you know, president that wants to, quote, fundally, tr- fundamentally transform America. I said, from what to what? You know, you, you know fundamentally, we're a constitutional, constitutional government. Fundamentally, we're a republic. What about that do you want to change? To what? You know, now we know. Now we know because this is Obama's third term. You know, what he wants for us is an open border, Marxist, fentanyl-based non-military, you know, give away to everything else, give trillions of dollars away to everybody else, print trillions of dollars, basically take the American public, you know, give them abortions and, uh, and COVID shots, uh, whereas illegal aliens get welfare and uh, benefits. You know, I mean, this is, the, this is Obama's the, uh, world. He's a dangerous person. You know, but, but black had never US anything senators, to do with it. What's that? You know what a U.S. senator's responsibility should be the two of them to their particular state slash country. Mm-hmm. And that is to bring industry to those places, basically. See, I don't even think the senators represent their states anymore. 
you know, they're not a, they're not appointed or elected by their state legislatures. You know, the Constitution was changed on that. But the fact that uh, you know there's such a high up office and it takes so much money to run, and they need so much money from their parties. I don't think the senators represent their. I mean, how many senators do you see touring around the That's state versus, be versus representatives? Yeah, of course they should be appointed by the state legislatures. But how many? You know, if you have a representative, you've got I think a seventy-five, seven hundred fifty thousand people, so three quarters of a million people. You know, you look at Matt Gates, my congressman, okay, first district of Florida. Uh, it's about three, I think it's Okaloosa, Santa Rosa County that I'm in, and Escambia County, which is the one next door. That's for Pensacola. So he's got three counties. It's manageable. He can drive the whole district easily in a day. He, he does like, he'll do like three town hall meetings across his district in a day. You know, one in the morning, one at noon, and one at uh, six at night, you know, five or six at night. And that's not a problem. So he can cover his entire district with three different meetings in one day. That's representative of the people in his district. That's why absolutely. But Rick that Scott US can't do that. But but Rick Scott, and Marco Senators, Rubio, what's that? And U.S. senators' main responsibility is to bring industry to that state, and they well, should actually, be appointed by the state legislature. That would do away mm-hmm. with that under the table and backdoor funding that they get from these businesses. And other special interests. That's why mm-hmm. come you have things so down screwed up. Yeah. So the senators actually should, should spend most of their time in the state capitals, right? Because if they're being yeah, appointed by the state, meeting, then they need yeah. to look at what major, what can we have the best of. Then mm-hmm. they have to go. You know, one thing they could do is is uh, bring back those manufacturers that have left. They could lobby for, they could propose for having a tariff mm-hmm. to protect a U.S.-based company, not because, well, because they got, the cost is, is going to be more. You know, you got minimum wage, $20. I mean, just think about it. But mm-hmm. if you got something that's being made in the United States, like Russian plate steel, I'm sorry, Russian plate steel is trying to come in and compete against it, you mm-hmm. got to level the playing field with your tariffs. I mean, it's not trying to tell people who to buy from like they mm-hmm. did with Obamacare and like what mm-hmm. Joe Biden is trying to do with electrical vehicles and do, right. do away with industry. We need to get all – in fact, I'll work on, I've got a whole show planned. I've got like six articles for an electric vehicle show. I'll probably do it next week. I've had them sitting around for a couple of weeks. But uh, there's a new electric vehicle. I was going to ask Derek about it because he's big into hydrogen power you know, as the future of energy. The Hyperion has this hydrogen electric hybrid – vehicle that looks like a Lamborghini. <laughs> it's on my Facebook pages. Really looks cool. So that's something I want to get into. But uh, electric cars, you know, in, in order to be fair, should be uh, the same as gas cars. You need a tax. You know, if you're going to tax gasoline, then you have to test, tax elect- electricity at, at an equivalent amount. You know, you can't give $7,500 subsidies on electric cars if you're not going to do it for gasoline cars or diesel cars. When they did that so, with solar panels, it didn't work. You know who's going. You know who's going to have a foothold with lithium products here in this country? Exxon Mobil. Oh. No, Exxon will. They got. Uh-huh. You got a black petroleum company in Ohio called uh, High Tower Petroleum. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so guess what else they do? They are dealing with EV charging stations. Hmm. Electrical vehicles over charging stations. Stephen High Tower. I wish you could have him on the show. He started off as a janitor. You can ask him. But uh, talk to him. I'm open. 
plus he deals in he he has a uh, international uh businesses in his mm-hmm. industry too you know, you know like South Africa and also in other states <clears throat> but it don't make any sense to kill one industry in favor for another that is totally wrong I mean mm-hmm. it let the industries work on the principles of free market yeah, see, government should never be in the business of business. They shouldn't. The government should not impact business. They shouldn't tip the scales. They shouldn't support certain businesses, ignore other businesses, charge them more. Government should not be involved in business. The only thing government should do is regulate dangerous products, you know, and things like that, and have consumer protection uh, at the state and local level. But the federal government should have, should have nothing to do with business. In fact, most of the federal regulatory agencies shouldn't even be federal. They should be state. But the thing is, if, if this, I want to follow this, this idea through at the state, because uh, I don't think people have really thought about this, and I haven't thought of it until literally just now. But if the senators, if you had Marco, like in Florida, Marco Rubio and, and Rick Scott, if their primary focus was on Tallahassee and the state government, then the representatives and the state legislature and the, and the governor DeSantis could say, look, we've got a problem with all these federal mandates. You need to stop this stuff. Or they could say, we don't want these subsidies for electric cars. We don't want these mandates. You know, and, and that way, they would tell their senators, don't put those through. We don't want them. You know, and basically, they would say, your job depends on it. If you want to stay senator, you know, we don't want electric car mandates in, in Florida. And so then Rick Scott and, and Marco Rubio would go back to Congress, and they'd make very profound debates on the floor. We've decided in the interest of the economics and the, the environmental thing that electric cars aren't the best, and we don't want the mandate in Florida. They can say whatever they want. But basically, they're getting their instructions from the state legislature. And so if the senators were appointed by the state legislatures, you know, that, would, that would stop most of the bad things that the federal government does to uh, the state governments and the, and the people. So the federal government acts on the people directly. You know, because there's no there's no Congress in the way. And what we need to do is put Congress back in the way. And we need to put the Senate back in the way of Congress by having the senators elected by the states. And people say, well, we're democracy. They have to be elected by the people. Nonsense. Senators are elected by the lobbyists, whoever gets the most money and by the parties. So if you want if you want democracy, you're not getting it now. You know, go ahead. Why free trade? When you say free trade, that should apply from state to state to state to state. When you're talking about other countries, it should be fair trade. You can't be free and have wide open markets. Your your American market is wide open freely from foreign businesses. Heck no. It should be yeah. fair. If we trade if we receive fifty billion of yours, you need to be able to receive fifty billion of ours. I don't think you have to have equal trade because I mean they're different. The markets more, the world markets more fluid than that. But what you can't have is a situation like with Canada, for example. Canada has a 600% duty on American dairy products. Well, so all our Wisconsin and Michigan farmers, you know, with uh, most of Canada, you know, across the across the Great Lakes in Toronto and Montreal and different places like that, uh, all those cities, you know, right across from our big cities, our big agricultural areas, they can't sell to Canada. Well, that's crazy. But Canada can sell to us. So well, you, what you, you want to have is you want to have equivalent trade. So in other words, you want to have equal. You want to have an equal floor of trading. So in other words, if there are duties, the, du- the duties should be equal. But you don't have to have the same amount of goods going back and forth. What if Americans? What if well, Americans well, want more Canadian cheese, or and Canadians want more American cheese? Well, that's fine. Uh-huh. With Canada, I don't too much particularly like. And Trump has solved a lot of them, but not enough. And that's mm-hmm. with lumber. Hmm. Trump imposed tariffs on Canadian lumber because it was damaging the lumber business in states like Georgia. Also, mm-hmm. 
you have Canadian companies owning some of your largest lumber mills in the United States, I don't think that should be like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like you don't want China being on owning farmland. I don't think Canadians should own lumber companies in the United States the way they are because it just screws things up. Georgia is known for its Georgia pines, mm-hmm. especially in the softwoods. But those industries have practically closed down because of what Canada was doing by shipping its products across the border into the U.S., especially the lower south. Well, yeah, and what's, uh, what countries do, like China with steel, uh, is they make a substandard product, but they also offer it at a, at a subsidized price, a, pr- a price below market value. See, companies, countries do that for market share. Like Canada will offer lumber at below market value to get a greater market share of our timber, and then they raise the prices later on. That's what China does. That's, that should be illegal. So I, you know, I don't know if, if foreign companies, you know, should own um, anything in the United States, <laughs> quite frankly. You know, if the foreign company wants to come here and operate here, then they, then they operate under, under certain laws. But I don't want foreign companies, I don't want China buying a, I don't think countries or Bill Gates, for example, should be buying up huge amounts of farmland because that, that's bad for our farmland. It's monopolizing the farmland. Well, you can't stop him because he's an American citizen. But, you know, another mm. thing, too, we complain about China doing this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. But we do things that help China to be able to do that. And I'm going to tell you how it goes. It's with the welfare system. Because on those systems, people just make enough. Mm-hmm. They don't make more to choose where they want to, to shop at. So they're shopping at stores like Family Dollars and such and such and such, which is which is stocks from floor to the ceiling with Chinese-produced goods, Chinese-produced mm-hmm. products, Chinese-produced items. So then welfare dollars is going to fund those Chinese businesses, and therefore that's why you're creating all these – you're creating these Chinese billionaires and millionaires and billionaires where we're doing. You actually – you're actually helping your enemy along, if we want to call him an enemy. <laughs> oh, no, I agree absolutely. You know, and uh, I don't think just because you're a U.S. citizen you can buy up all the farmland because then it becomes a national security issue. You know, have you noticed that um, dairy plants, I think there's a second one, but the big one in Texas that had a huge explosion that they say, we can't explain it. Well, why would a dairy farm, which doesn't have, you know, much in the way of hazmat, <laughs> you know, it's not like it's an oil uh, it's an oil rig. Why, why would a dairy farm blow up? Why would you have a major explosion in a dairy farm? Now, I understand grain elevators because the grain becomes explosive with the dust. But why would a dairy farm blow up? You know, it's like when the airplanes were flying in the food processing plants. So food becomes a national security issue. And so the idea of Bill Gates buying up a bunch of food, a bunch of land so he can produce bugs on it, I don't think so. You know, I believe in a yeah, free market, Gates, you know, more than most people, Gates, however. Bill Gates is a U.S. citizen, just like Warren Buffett bought up all the railroad tanker cars. He's a U.S. citizen. He can do that. Hmm. Unless he took the tanker cars out of circulation, nobody had any tanker cars. <laughs> See, is Bill Gates buying farmland to grow stuff? In which case, great. You know, I would permanently zone that land. If he buys farmland, I would keep it zoned as farmland so he can't build on it and destroy it. Well, rather than restrict the buyer, why don't you restrict the seller? Tell them that they can't sell to Americans. Can't sell to Americans? What, what can't sell what to Americans? Farmland. Tell people that own land 
and land for sale all over the place. You can go on the internet and find them that they can't sell to Americans. American can't own how much, how much, what kind of restriction you gonna to put to the amount of land that American already own before they can go mm. buy some more. Yeah, I don't know if I put restrictions on how much they can own. I would put restrictions on what they can do with it, maybe. Like I said, keep it zoned as farmland. You know, these are big questions. I'm not sure. I think it really comes down to the states. But, um, you know, just as, just as the states have preserved uh, state parks, and the federal government has national parks, but they should all go back to the states anyway. But, uh, you know, and it gets into the whole eminent domain thing, which I don't like. I don't like government taking land for purposes the government wants to do. But as for private people, I think the restrictions in Florida – uh, if you're Canadian and you don't, you buy a house here and you don't live in it. I think there's a, there's, there's some kind of real estate thing that you can't do that, or it costs you a bunch of money or stuff. I'm not sure. A lot of Canadians have houses here that uh, they only use in the wintertime. Yeah. So I'm not sure how it works. All I know is Bill Gates. That particular example of him buying up all the farmland he's buying up is not good. It's not a good thing for the country. You know, I don't know anybody else that's buying up that much farmland that has that much money. So maybe you just need stuff to control him. <laughs> you know, same thing as I don't want China buying all our farmland. I don't know if I want any any country well, buying you know all our farmland. Rockefeller, quite honestly. When mm-hmm. Rockefeller ran for president, the Senate made him reveal all his holdings. I don't think that was right, neither. Well, it's not right when they made Trump uh, turn over his taxes. You know, if you're not accusing him of something... You know, he has a due process right, right to be uh, secure in his, in his person, house, papers, and effects. So none and of that I don't is constitutional. Think he I don't think he did turn over his taxes because of the Privacy Act with taxes, but uh, I understand what you're saying. I don't think well, I don't know. It was subpoenaed. They, kind of, they, they felt they could go around that act, and that's, that's uh, one of the problems. See if I had a statement from Trump, too. We should go into that, and then I'm going to take a little break here. See if I can find my... Uh, my stuff. I had a bunch of stuff prepared. It's funny. I have all these stories prepared. Then we never get to them. <laughs> it cracks me up. Uh, that's my electric car show. I'm going to save that one for another day. That's my next bill probably to write is, uh, is the electric car tax. Ah, here we go. Oh, that's, no, that's a different one too. I got a bunch of stuff on, on states nullifying uh, federal law. So we're going to talk about that probably next week too. Where is my, where is my, that's not an either. I had Trump's statement. That's what I'm looking for right now. I had Trump's statement about the judiciary here. I wanted to go over that before I took a break. It's got me in one of these two places. Do, 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 do. Ah, here we go. Found it. So I don't know if you heard Trump speak on the judiciary about his arrest and things like that. So let me do this. I'll take a break and we'll come back in a bit. He says, Agenda 47, firing the radical Marxist prosecutors destroying America. Uh, this is from yesterday. And he says, where's the statement begin? Uh, here we go. Mar-a-Lago. Uh, in a new Agenda 47 policy video, I'm not sure what Agenda 47 is, President Trump pledged to restore justice in America and end the corrupt weapon, weaponization of our justice system by dangerous Marxist prosecutors. <laughs> I love it. He says, there's no more dire threat to the American way of life than the corruption and weaponization of our justice system. And it's happening all around us. Trump says, if we cannot restore the fair and impartial rule of law, we will not be a free country. Well, we're not a free country right now. He says, uh, Trump says, we'll also, he will also appoint 100 U.S. attorneys who will be the polar opposite of the Soros district attorneys who are destroying the rule of law in America, overhaul the Department of Justice, and order sweeping civil rights investigations into Marxist local district attorneys. Didn't we call for this like about a month ago? 
Remember, Pianki, we said that Trump has to get rid of all the U.S. attorneys like Clinton did, but instead appoint, you know, America first attorneys, U.S. attorneys to regulate the district attorneys. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing. They, well, they, you know, they wrote it. Yeah. Look at the test scores in school. Look at the essays. I yeah. wouldn't uh, appoint anybody that goes against your overall premises as you mm-hmm. promised your constituents. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. But what I'm saying is the, the U.S. attorneys now are a bunch of Marxists. It would be really great to get rid of them and put in their place you know, a bunch of America first patriots who actually followed the Constitution. So we've talked about this. Trump's doing it. That's a good thing. Let me tell you what else he's doing here. As part of this effort, there should be a federal inquiry into the Soros prosecutor in Austin, Texas, who charged a veteran with murder for defending himself against a threat by a heavily armed member of a radical left mob. Well, that's why the, that's why they, uh, he, they charged the, the, uh, the, the citizen with murder because the other person represented the, the, the leftist. And so they get a pass. We know that. Then it says, when when President Trump returns to the White House, he will order the Department of Justice to establish a task force on protecting the right uh, uh, to self-defense. That's a good thing. Then it says, the new plan will also confront the radicalization of America's law schools and fight the purge of conservatives at law firms. Now, how the hell is he going to do that? Pianchi. I don't know. You give any details how you're going to do it. You can say that to after they elected so nobody else will steal it. <laughs> well, he's saying it right there. I've got it in the Trump statement. In fact, I got a call right now. I'm going to check and see who this is. Um, I think I know who this might be. Let's, let's, let me just do a quick check here. So let me take a, a second. This is where I like to have all my. I wonder. Let me just check my own thing here. Oh, my goodness. I don't have her theme ready yet. But uh, coming to us under duress, <laughs> how you feeling? This is this is cowgirl Candace on Believe the Journey. I thought you were taking off this week. What you doing? How you feeling? I am. Hi, Greg. Good morning. morning. I um, woke up early because of a horse that was not mine that decided to come visit. So I was wrangling this this morning instead of sleeping. So, but I'm um, I'm resting here with my mom and my mom and me's been listening to the show for the last what? hour and a half. So oh, yeah, it's been, I just it's been wanted interesting. to on the, on the show because this is her her type of her type of topic. So I figured, you know, we could just hang out with you for the next sure. forty five minutes. If that works for you. Oh, so my mom. Why don't you put her on? Put your mom on. I want to talk to your mom. Put your mom on. Absolutely. Hey, how are you today? I'm having a great time. What's your first name? It is Raito. Raito. Well, how you doing? First of all, we I'm love good. having your daughter on the show. That's that's the first thing. Candace yeah, is, is magnificent. I love my daughter too. She's a very very inspirational person. Yeah. Well, that's why she's here. So let's yeah. let's uh, let's find out. To, now, were you a horse person, or are, are you a part of the journey? No, or, or... actually, <laughs> I am petrified of horses. Really? Um, when I was four, I was kicked in the face by a horse, oh, and it no. broke my jaw. I lost. I remember. My teeth. I remember Candace told us about that now that I, that I uh, hear yes. you say it. Yeah. And so okay. I knew from a very early age of her, not me, <laughs> that right. she loved horses. My, um, the gentleman that raised me, which I called dad, who died when I was okay. 25, um, oh, him and her were like two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. And he loved her, and he would collect her little horse figurines. And he had mm. a drop down, um, the fan that goes over the stove. So he had a mm-hmm. stove in an island in the kitchen, 
and he had this right. drop down, and there was like a little ledge around that drop down, and he would put all the little figurines down there, <laughs> and he would tell her all the time, one day have all the pretty little horses you want. How about and that? When Can, Candace, when we embarrass you, let us know, okay? Just kind of like scream, all right? Well, uh... <laughs> so when Here's she was 13, our family was kind of struggling, um, all different areas, and I knew that I needed to feed her her dream, so I bought her her first two horses. Oh, wow. That was nice of you. And, um, Support the dream. Yeah, parents supporting dreams. Gee, what a concept. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so I We're going to give you a cheer her, here. Her Hang on. That's for you. To uh, get on one of those horses, and she had no tack. We had no tack. We had nothing. We had tack. We just Explain went tack. and bought two horses. That was it. What's tack? We didn't even build a pen to put them in. Rita, what's tack? We had a Hello? Card, you, is she just talking? Is, She's not hearing me. Okay, there yeah. we go. I, I I hear you. Tack is like saddles and all that stuff, bridles okay. and all the stuff that you use on a horse to to ride, basically. Okay. Now, I like to have things explained just for people that don't know necessarily, because we have people with, with all kinds of different expertise on the show. You know, you're being heard, uh, could be heard in up to 50 different countries, you know, as, as the podcast makes its way around the world. So I just like to explain things. So just, you know, anyway, but let me, um, let's get back to the show here for a little bit too. Tell me what, uh, is this the first time you heard the show or have you listened several times before? This is my first time hearing. Okay. So what do you think so far from what you heard the last hour? Um, Questions, comments? Well, I mean, I'm completely on board with a lot of stuff of what you guys were talking about. Um, okay. Our government is, is ridiculous at this point, and I've never been a political person. I didn't turn political till 2020, hmm. and I don't know. Something woke me up. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it was, but something happened, and I voted for the first time. Oh, interesting. Okay, now I really want to talk to you. What? What? Why 2020? What? Uh, do, so, did you support Trump during his first uh, four years? I mean, I did not vote for him. That was I did not vote for him. No, but, I, but, I but did you did you support what he stood him, for? I mean, I don't. The COVID situation. Okay. The, the, all about it started with the COVID when. Me and my husband got sick, like, at, in the latter part of 19, I mean, 2019, and we uh-huh. stayed sick for months, and I never went and got a COVID test, and when they started Well, they don't, they don't work anyway. <laughs> They're not reliable. They're not, yeah, the PCR I mean, test was it, never designed to test for COVID. Yeah. They yeah. were recalled in, in, in uh, December 31st of 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't even know that, but they had a recall on them. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, they had a recall on those because they yeah, that's didn't why they, work. that's why they distributed millions of them six months later because they had a recall. That's yeah. that's fabulous. Good to know. I did, I had forgotten and, that, or I, I I I don't know if I ever knew that actually, but it's, it sounds it sounds vaguely familiar. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Well, they were never designed to test for viruses. They're a completely different tests, and then they take the sample and they so cycle it forty times. Invented you know, them, and I don't remember his name, but. The gentleman that invented that PCR test right. actually told people that it cannot distinguish between 
the flu, a common cold, a sinus infection. Right. It, 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 a virus is a virus to begin with. Mm-hmm. It cannot distinguish between. And so they use this fake test to uh-huh. determine whether you had a virus that they now call COVID instead of the flu. Well, COVID is a flu virus. You know, coronaviruses I, include colds, flu, and they include that whole range. Yeah. I mean, corona, they're yeah. all the same thing. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you in health professions? Were you doctor, nurse, or, or somehow involved in, in health stuff? No, no, but I work in, with the public, and okay, and I just, I, I just, I don't know. Something huh. woke me up. I'm not a woke person. I'm an awake person. Oh, let see, that's, that's a big difference. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you the blunt question. Do you think the 2020 election was stolen? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. That would that would wake me up. <laughs> I know it was stolen, but that's a, but that's a, that's a, we've talked about that. You know, we've had Wendy Rogers on the show. We've had all kinds of folks on the show. You know, we had. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who in their right mind would have voted for a man with dementia? Well, see, that's the thing. See, and this is, and I've talked to, that's a really good point. I've talked to people about this too. In fact, Pianchi's on the line too. Pianchi, if you want to join in, uh, feel free. And then, well, Candace, I promise I'll get back to you, but I'm having fun chat with your mom. This is really interesting. Um, but uh, if you, when people on the left, you know, it's like, well, there's no proof that the election was stolen. Yeah, there is. Brandon has never done well in a national election, even at his prime, at his greatest mental faculties. He was still an idiot. But even when he was at yep. his best, for whatever his best was, he still sucked when it came to running for office. He never did well in a primary. Never. He's never scored well in any national te- uh, poll or test or, or primary or anything. So why would you think that somebody in a diminished capacity, when they're at their worst, when he's already had two brain aneurysms, when he's obviously on a, on a massive mental decline, why would people suddenly vote you know, more for him at his worst than they ever voted for him at his best and beat the most popular president probably since uh, Calvin Coolidge. I'm not a big Reagan fan, but we can talk about that. Reagan was pretty popular, but uh, he had his moments. But the thing was that Trump is easily uh, the best president in my lifetime and probably, you know, the before and after lifetimes, you know, to me, well, the generation say, before and after. Go ahead. Under Trump, I did, be- I, I did better financially than I've ever done in, in my whole life. How about now, that? Would that be because I was promoted in my job at that same mm-hmm. time? I was mm-hmm. getting every bonus available at that in those four years mm-hmm. that I was in the position that I was in. I was getting sales bonuses. I was just every bonus that there was. And then the minute that another president <laughs> was put in. Oh, the, I wouldn't call him a president. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the White House sorry, occupant. <laughs> yeah. White House uh, resident. Yeah. Personally, I think he's a puppet. At this point, Parasite. Well, who do you think is um, running the country? Who, who do you think's who do you think's behind uh, uh, Brandon? Do you really answer that question. I think Obama's running it. Okay. I mean, he said in his last interviews that if he could just sit in his jogging suit in his basement and run the country from a talking into a speaker and having that ear device go in somebody else's ear, that's the way he would do it. See, Obama's weakness is that he's so arrogant. He tells you exactly what he's going to do and thinks there's no consequence for it. Well, I think you're right. They're all what they're going to do. We just aren't. Yeah. We are. We are so brainwashed and thinking that oh well, they're just saying they're going to do it. <laughs> not, not on this really. show. 
<laughs> you're you're in a different place here. We we know we take them at uh, at their word. If they say that you know, you know what's uh, interesting? Go ahead, Bianchi. It can't be Obama by himself. He's got to be a representative of a group of someone, and that there has always been the evading question of who is this group. People who speculate with all sorts of terms and terminology, but he can't be doing it by himself. He's part of it. All right, you too. Let's 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 build the secret cabinet. Who who's involved? Who's in the secret cabinet? Who is in the secret cabinet? Yeah, who else is involved? Oh well, you got the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Duvets. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a couple more because there's only four, really, about six families that are financially above every single body in this world. It's that one percent. But this is power. Um, this isn't money, and this is something I was going to bring up with Kyle earlier when he was on the show. That the, he he thinks of everything in terms of money, but this is power. I mean, Bill Clinton. Uh, doesn't care how much money he has. He only cares how much power he has. And the people that are, are exercising political power, they're not, you know, they're not rich you know, compared to the Rockefellers and the people you're talking about. And yes, Rockefellers want to exercise political power. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is that the people that really want the power, money is not the first consideration. You know, I would include, in fact, we, I've talked about this on the show several times, that Hillary Clinton is handling the domestic terrorism and Obama's handling the foreign terrorism. That's how they've divided, and they hate each other, but they've, they've divided up the world into different spheres. So the, the, the Justice Department, the persecutions, the arrests of all the Republicans, the, uh, the prosecution of, of, school, uh, of parents at, at school board meetings, that's Hillary Clinton. Uh, I think the open border is both of them. But Obama would be in charge of bringing Afghanis into the country after the surrender, uh, giving away $85 billion worth of our equipment, keeping the war going in Ukraine so they can keep their bioweapons labs and their, their money laundering going. Well, actually, that could be Hillary Clinton, too. Uh, but I think they've divided up the world, those two, and they each have their own. You know, the Clinton Foundation for Hillary and Obama has his, like, secret cabinet, Susan Rice and the, and the rest of the other, uh, you know, neo-Marxists. That's how I think they do it. Yeah. I mean, that makes okay. a lot of sense. There is, okay. it is definitely not just one, but I feel like that, I mean, Obama was the, the, the I want to say the smart, but really the stupid one that spit it out of his No, mouth. Obama's very smart. I think Obama's but brilliant, but in a dangerous way, but not in a good way. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see if Pianchi has a comment for you, then I want to trade back in and get Candace on the line here for a little bit, unless you have a, um, more stuff. Bianca, do you have a comment for Ferrito? How do you spell well, that? Anyway? You know, yeah, not only, you know, I think I've seen her that name on the SB Facebook, but not only do you uh, see people, I would ask her why, did, well, she said the reason why, but, you know, that's one question we need to ask people who say, it's the first time I ever vote. Then we need to ask, why did you vote? Was it on the issues? Uh, I usually ask people when they say they don't like Trump, I say, well, what issues, political issues of mm-hmm. his was it that you didn't like? Not because he wore his hair a certain way, not because he tweeted. I mean, he's a human being. But from time to time, we see human beings who come forward out of the abyss of places, and now they're in the spotlight 
for some reason, nobody knows why, and they're at the head of the decisions that are supposed to make life better for people and to save a nation, in essence. So why did I vote for Trump? That's what you're asking me. What made you yes, vote for the I think watching them try to just every time that man turned around, they were beating him down as, as far as mainstream media. They were trying to just make him look like the worst person in the world. So I, I took it upon myself to start looking into the real thing. For instance, somebody brought it to me that Trump had developed special ops teams to go rescue trafficked children. And if anybody knows me, they know how much I love children. Love children. I, real young, and things happened that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, you don't have to admit too much. I'll just give you a little caution right now that everything is podcast and it lasts for a long time. So I always give folks, especially new to the show, that you only you know be careful what you want to reveal. Um, because yep. I know you're in the heat of the moment, and this is why I just want to kind of like you know cooling off here for a second. You don't have to tell your life story. You can stick to the issues, and that's that's perfectly oh, no, fine. No. Just so, want to let you know. With mm-hmm. love of children and him developing these sex, these these special ops teams, mm-hmm. I started following that. Okay. And that to me is what made me go. This man is doing good. Mm-hmm. He's doing. The good that we've needed. He's trying to fight all the fights that we've needed him to fight. He was trying to bring companies back to America so we could become more self-sufficient in energy. He was trying to build America back up job-wise. He was doing all the things that we needed a good president to do. Mm-hmm. So what are your friends saying about and, this? You know, when, you, when you talk about this to, to people that you know, uh, especially liberal friends, I'm always curious about this. How do they defend Brandon? Or do they say, oh, you don't have proof? You, you don't know what you're talking about? You're a conspiracy theorist? Conspiracy theorist. What kind of reaction do you get? There's only one person that I've gotten a bad reaction from, and the people that that other people that I've talked to that said that they they voted for Brandon have come back since then and said, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Gee, I don't either. <laughs> did, 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 did they ever I, say I, what they were thinking? I'm just curious. So you weren't inspired you know, to vote for Obama. Know. You weren't inspired to vote for George the Bush the Younger or the Elder. You didn't vote for Reagan. You didn't vote for uh, Clinton. But you did vote for Trump this in, this, in his second term. I, that's really – Jackie raised a good point. It's a really interesting question. Okay. And maybe it was because before I really didn't pay attention to the politics. Polit- yeah. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then when things are good – People are really happy, and then of course when it was all taken away, uh, that's a whole different thing. Um, let me let's get your kid back on. <laughs> let's get Candace back on. It's yes. been really nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. 
I appreciate Thank it. Spontaneous. You. She didn't know she was, I was going to do that um, because I didn't know I was going to do that until I did. <laughs> but that's kind of how things go <laughs> around here. Candace, welcome back. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Um, well, this has been an interesting show. Again, completely different than I predicted. I had all these news stories. I always prepared like nobody's going to be here because Wednesday nobody was. I had three hours that I was, I was doing all by myself. That was an experience. But uh, what's going on oh. here? What's, what's, what's happening? Observations, people, horses, life out in the natural world. What, uh, what, what's been on your mind this week? Um, natural world's been going good. So Miss Indy, the rescue, the most recent rescue, that's going to be my star of my YouTube channel when I, um, I've been documenting everything that I've done with her. So I took her out, got her out on the trail. I did not ride her, but I ponied her, which is basically being led behind my horse um, over the weekend, and it turned out to be wonderful. So my next step with her is, is really just the process of getting her under saddle and, and getting that connection with her there. So um, I so mean, let, me, let me back up a bit. This is a rescue horse, and what's the horse's name again, and how did you come by this horse? I want to fill in some details so, here. Um, Indy, Indigo is, is what's short. I call her Indy for Indigo. Paint Mayor, that, for the people that are following my Facebook page, Believe the Journey Horse Services, um, you'll see her story pop up a time or two. Um, she was the one that came in. It was a very sporadic rescue as far as we were out on trail one day getting ready to ride, and a man stopped us and said, hey, you know, basically pleaded with us, asking us to go and um, get this horse from down the road that he had watched two others starve in the pasture. And that yep, I remember had, that now, yeah. Yeah, so he um, – so basically sporadic as sporadic comes, you know, we, we went down the road and – I, I reacted as far as, you know, I, I couldn't go in and say, hey, look, you got a starving horse and I'm here to confiscate it by any means. So I did have to really address that situation and make sure that I was going in it with the right mindset, which I think we, we kind of touched base shortly on that one of our last talks. And so anyway, mm-hmm. short story, I ended up getting her that night. We spent about $1,500 to get her out of that situation took her to the vet the next morning. She should have weighed about a thousand pounds. She came in at 742 pounds. Um, we've had her almost four weeks. Tuesday coming up will be a, a full month that I've had her. She's mm-hmm. gained about 85 pounds. Um, we've had three sessions in the round pen. Um, one was with an audience. So I took her to cold water, which is where I do my trail rides at. So, and, and this is a, this is a unique thing that people need to know about me is a lot of times when I am doing trail rides, you know, I don't like hiding things from people. You know, a lot of times they, they come to these places that do other trail rides and it's, you know, the horses are tell to tell, you know, you can't, you can't be six foot. I think a lot of the requirements is a lot different than mine. So basically like you're, Hey, you can't be six foot or, or closer to another horse, you have to be single file, and all the horses are 20-plus years old, and they've been doing it all their life. My horses are, are not that type, so it's a completely different experience when you go out to nature, but I'm also teaching you along the way. So there might be times, especially if you're a repeat client, that I say, hey, guys, you know, I have another trail guide with me today. They're going to stay in the front, and I want a horse that, that's in training or, you know, stay after and y'all can watch me work one in the round pen. So I really try to give those people um, that full-on experience because a lot of people, just they're not knowledgeable. So when they come out, they just assume these horses 
are born this way that you can just get on them and you can ride them in the woods. But a lot of it is a lot of desensitization and a lot of training these horses and getting that communication with them where they're not on the reactive side, that they're only working on the thinking side of the brain. And it's the same thing with humans. We, we have a thinking side of our brain and we have a reactive side of our brain. And it takes us years, years to accomplish, hey, let's stay on our thinking side of the brain. And, and still sometimes that reactive side comes out on us. Um, and same thing with horses. But I try to give that, that relationship with people and, and make them aware, you know, it takes a lot of time and dedication, a lot of patience, and a lot of understanding with these horses. So, so if y'all watch my Facebook page and hopefully my YouTube channel will be up in the next couple of months, um, y'all will get to see that process from the beginning with Indy, from the time that I picked her up from that pasture, from her first loading experience, from the first time that we were in the round pen, our first grooming session. I think actually Christina got a, a video of me the second time I groomed her and she was kicking out. So those things that people are going to not understand why there's reasons of you don't walk behind a horse when you don't know them um, and how I evaluate that and how I get that horse from being so reactive to the point that she's kicking out to using the thinking side of her brain and allowing me to groom her. Um, huh. so really, how much of a reach really do they have when a horse is kicking? <laughs> how far back can they kick? I'm just curious. Uh, you know, it's really the length of their legs. So typically your safe zone is six foot away. Um, okay. from the back end, but horses can kick to the side. It's called cow kicking. So you really oh. just have to be aware of they can kick in the front. They can strike out with that front foot and get you. Um, so you really got to learn to read those horses, um, what their, what their signs are before, before getting into their space in that manner. So, um, for, for instance, with her, you know, she was cow kicking at me. So she was trying to reach me from the side which it doesn't have as much, obviously, they can't kick out six foot from the side, but they can kick out a good couple feet. Um, and I've actually been cow kicked before from one of them being in that space. So you really just have to know um, where your safety points are and, and how that horse hmm. is about to react with you. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm guessing that people have, and this would include me, have no concept um, of the depth mm-hmm. uh, of knowledge that goes into this and the, and the amount of skills that you have. Uh, the closest thing I can relate to is being a flight instructor. And I have people come mm-hmm. up on the first flight. Oh, you just hop in, you turn it on, you know, put the, put the throttle in, take off. It's great. Yeah, this is fun. No, mm-hmm. there's the weather, yeah. there's the air traffic control system, there's all the other airplanes, yeah. there's the mechanics of the airplane itself and the inspections. There's a million things going on in my brain, you know, uh, when I'm taking yeah. somebody up for, for the first, uh, first flight. And I imagine it's very similar to what you're doing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how you build that or whether you want to because it would take too much time. Um, are horses, uh, by design, I guess, and, and – uh, are they built for, for one person? I know you can't do that in your business, obviously, but are horses really designed to be like one owner or two, or just like one person at a time riding them? Uh, is, it, is it like kind of a bond that forms uh, that you can't get when a horse is you know, being ridden by multiple people? And, and it, it, does it, or does it more just depend on the horse? A no to that. Um, okay. People that come out to me, like especially the horses that, the horses that came to me in the situation, for example, Indy or some of my other rescue horses like Nakota, who I've had for 13 years, that the guy was going to shoot her prior to me getting her because she had been attacked by some dogs and ran through some fencing and they just 
you know, sometimes that's what people would rather do instead of pay a vet bill. So luckily right. we got her out of that situation and um, she has learned to trust other people as far as them getting on her back. But people will tell you as soon as they get on that it's the people that are in tune with her, um, man, as soon as I got on her, you know, she wasn't paying attention to me. She's, she's focused on you, you know, so it's that herd mentality. They allow hmm. people to get on their backs. Um, but a lot of times they'll follow me if I don't correct them. Um, but there is some horses that are truly like, and same with dogs, you know, and cats, you know, sometimes they form that special bond with a certain human and that's really their main person. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to walk up to them and pet them. You know, it's not like they're going to come out and growl and bite or kick or, you know, attempt to kill you, but they're not going to be as rewarded feeling when the person that they're bonded with approaches them, if that makes sense. You know, like I can leave my dog Traveler, who is a one-person type dog, with Mm -hmm. my parents. I know he's going to be safe there. Is he going to enjoy it as much as if he was with me? Probably not, but I I wouldn't say, oh, my God, well, I can't leave him here because he's going to attack you by any means. Um, so if that answers your question there, there is a bond, especially with those horses that come out of those situations that's kind of given up on on people for the most part. But animals are forgiving. You know, that's why I say we're really not deserving of them because they, they don't hold on to things like we as humans do. They're such – they're – they're so forgiving. It's it's incredible. And that's it helps me look up to them. And it makes me a better person because I can say if these horses can come out of the situation or these dogs or cats can come out of the situations that they were just in and they can forgive and forget and move on with their life, then why can't we? You know, why do we hold on to what we hold on to? So I you look know, at that bond. And that... Uh, yeah, go ahead and finish. I'm sorry because I just thought of something. Um as I always do with my lightning quick, you know, association mind. Um, <laughs> no, okay, were you done or? or uh... Yeah, that's. All good. right. So earlier in the show, I don't know if you heard Kyle calling in from uh, uh, from California. And yep. Kyle, I've talked to a lot. He's been he's he's one of our original callers way back when, uh, but he's very strong opinions. And although he says I do, and mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. But uh, the, the drug implication. Uh, oh, Marco's leaving. Uh, we have Marco in the Netherlands right now. He's he's going home for the weekend already. <laughs> have a great weekend, Marco. We'll we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> he's on live chat, um, so you guys can look at live chat on the screen. If you have the broadcast screen, you'll see his uh, his stuff there too. So yeah, I was going to go visit his dad. Well, you have fun. Marco's a young guy. He's like forty. Did you say forty five or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, now I've totally forgotten. Oh yeah, so back to Kyle was talking about antidepressants and uh, you know and, and dividing the world up into adults and children. And I don't see the world that way. I mean, there are adults that are capable and incapable and all kinds of other things. But uh, the idea yeah. that you know, whereas a horse can go through the worst situation, we're talking about you know an owner who was starving the horses to death. There was no way out, you know, given that situation. And then we'll come to you and go, wait a minute. You know, people will say, well, it's just a horse. It's just an animal. It doesn't know. It gets food. It's happy. Mm-hmm. It does, you know. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, and I think there's, uh, there's, there's so much more to this because, you know, these horses have spirit. They have feelings. They have all kinds of stuff. And, yes, you can learn from them. So, so you've just opened up a whole new topic for us, which is horse to person, you know, kind of uh, relation, you know, philosophy, everything else. I mean, how does a horse see the world? This, is, this opens up an incredible new thing to us. But horses, you know, you don't give horses antidepressants. 
You know, they deal Correct. with their situation. So what can we learn from the horses as far as people who want to take a chemical way out, which I think is horrible. And I, I even have my physician's desk reference, you know, citing some of the, the, the suicidal tendencies and other things from these drugs, which mm-hmm. I think are incredibly dangerous. Um, but, uh, you, you know, there's no equivalent for horses. You don't, you don't give a horse an antidepressant. But people do. No. They want this avoidance. So the horse actually is forced to deal with it, with their situation. Yeah. And you're forced to, de- you're yes. forced to deal with their situation too. Uh, but, okay. But um, here's the thing is, you know, the pharmaceutical company attacks that as well because that's the easiest way out. So instead of us processing what we need to do or instead of allowing that horse to process it and then going back into that reactive mm-hmm. side. So, for instance, I have a horse. And you'll hear, oh, well, I can't feed my horses because it makes them hot. No, it, it, you need to allow that horse or going into the people that buy a working dog breed to be on the couch 24-7 and then they get upset and they put those dogs on all these, you know, medicines for anxiety. Well, how about you you learn that dog and you figure out the reason that that dog has anxiety and you advocate for him or you go out there, okay, the dog's a German shepherd. He's not going to live on the couch 24-7. He was bred to work. Um, they're reactive. So let's think of things to engage them and turn that reactive side into a thinking side and into a positive side, so a positive mm-hmm. rewardment. So same thing with horses, and I've had several come in that um, have anxiety or have built anxiety from the way that they've been rode or the – the way that we're like, oh, well, my horse doesn't like that, so let me just not do it and avoid that. Because as a human, that's the easiest thing for us to do. We avoid our feelings. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we use the easiest thing, and, and so there comes the pills. There comes that power and that greed that y'all were talking about earlier is, mm-hmm. well, it's easier just to give somebody this, and we don't think about the side effects, you know, whereas – I we do. can work with that. <laughs> I, you know, I yeah, I'm the weird too. guy. I mean, I'm yeah. the way I agree with yeah. you. I'm not going to take a chemical-based um, product, you know, when I know that there's so many other things in this world that I can figure out. But And everybody's different. So I'm not going to completely say, oh, my God, you can't use that because we have to find that out on our own. But I do mm-hmm. agree with you how many suicides have came from because of the side effects used from a chemical endorsement, whereas if we could have just gave that person more time to sit down, to be with nature, to find find what they their calling was, we're all searching for that. I'm for that. I'm sure you're still searching for that, but we're doing it in such no, a I positive found mine. reaction. <laughs> it, so, it, 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 is, it is funny well, because... I mean, the, hours, but there's still more to it, you know, like, oh, yeah, like there's always flight, more. You know, like there's always that, that calling of you being a flight attendant or being on a jet is still there, you know, oh, it's just not our time. That hasn't changed since I was, you know, four years old. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's never going correct. away until yeah. I get my jet, you know, and, 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 I'll, and listen, when we go flying upside down over the Gulf of Mexico, you can go, Hey Greg, this is really cool. I like this, you know? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when I have 500 acres on a, <laughs> on a ranch out West, I'll feel the same way. But, um, but animals, I, I tend to just, break that through their fight or fight animals and i think we are too in a way you know we either want to avoid it we want to fight it or we want to we want to run from it so if we look at their emotions and our emotions and then see the progress that you can do with them by simply keeping that um, relationship on the thinking side instead of the reactive side so I'll, i'll throw out an example i was riding the other day and my horse was scared of a log 
um, or a tree stump that had been there, but it looked different that day. And instead of me taking the horse away from it, I stopped with the group of paid riders and I said, I need to allow this horse to process this and to keep her curiosity open. So at Hmm. first, you know, she's talking at it. She's wanting to run away from it. And so as soon as she would look at it, I would reward her. So I'm rewarding her by praising her and giving her cookies as soon as she acknowledged that there was a big scary log. So I took that fight response out of her and made Mm -hmm. her understand, hey, the positive comes from me standing up for it. And then I would, once I felt that she was calm in that, I would ask for a couple steps forward towards that log. And so she'd give me a couple steps. And again, I would reward her the whole time when she would try to run away from it, then I would bring that attention back to that log and and back to that subject. And as soon as she'd give me that attention back to it, I would reward her. And then eventually within about 10 minutes, the horse just walked right up to the log, smelled it. And then I gave her all the cookies I had in my pocket. And was like, good girl, good girl. You know, the people yeah. were like, oh my God, you know, whereas most people, because it's uncomfortable for them because their horse is reacting to it. Let's just, let's go away from it or let's punish the horse because they're acting bad at it. Well, that's not going to help it because anytime you punish the horse because it's scared, what's it going to do every time that it gets scared? It's going to react because you're going to punish it. So why not make it rewarding and make it positive and keep that curiosity open for that animal? And it helps build your confidence because now you're building that respect and that relationship with the horse that y'all can outcome anything instead of allowing it to not only allow the horse run away from it let you avoid it as well and so i think that's where a lot of things come to be an issue with horses and 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 people because we naturally all want to run from that or we all want to fight it we don't want to just go up to it and say hey that challenge is not that big let's just walk through it you know with a thinking brain and not a reactive brain No, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and uh, this is why when uh, I was just thinking, you know, mommy did a great job with Candace, I can tell right now, uh, just by the, the <laughs> curiosity. You know, I did the same thing with my kid, you know, but I, I called the, the grocery store, you know, metaphor. You know, and I, I still see parents to this day, they'll go in the grocery store and they keep the kids in the cart and they, you know, when the kids want to reach for a product, it's like, no, don't touch, don't do this. And they say no, like 50 mm-hmm. times a minute. I said, what are you teaching mm-hmm. your kids? That everything's illegal. <laughs> she, I said, why do you do that? Now, my kid, when she was about eight or nine, I've forgotten which, uh, I got her a cell phone uh, so that when we went shopping, uh, she could run all around the store and just pick up different things and come back. So I, I talked to the mm-hmm. store employees. They all knew who she was. Everybody knew who she was. And she was in constant contact with me. So if anything happened, I'd be there in seconds. Um, so, so we were mm-hmm. fine. Maybe she's a little older. But no, it was about eight or nine. Anyway, uh, and so I'd uh, send her to the furthest corner of the store to find stuff. And she'd come back with other stuff. What's this? I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's read the label. You know, so it was always a voyage of discovery. And so no matter what mm-hmm. happened, and it's the same thing with the horses. They were on a voyage of discovery, too. You just don't have language to communicate. But, of course, my daughter mm-hmm. develops, you know, amazing language skills and great debating skills. I know. She's, she's pretty smart. Um, but, it was, but, that was the, but it's a difference in attitude. And, and this is why, you know, what we talk about here, yes, we're talking about horses, but we're not. We're really talking about people. And we're talking about mm-hmm. ways of relating. And there's so many people that close off all their options. You know, if I could take mm-hmm. the word no out of most parents, uh, you know, mouths and minds, I say, say no when you have to. But if you don't have to say no, if it's not endangering them, if they're not, you know, you know going to drive off a cliff as a teenager or if they're not going to, uh, you know, run in the street and, uh, you know, whatever, then don't say no. You know, yeah. think about what you're doing. And let's explore, 
You know, I very seldom mm-hmm. said no to my kid because I didn't have to. She got the hang of it after a while. She just, you know, constant questions, but that's the whole point. You know, what's mm-hmm. wrong with questions? <laughs> you know, so, so when communicating with horses, it's the same thing. You give them permission to explore, to process, and that is missing Correct. too. You know, take the pill, take the quick way out, take the escape, fight or flight. So do you see, yeah. you know, antidepressants as basically flight. But the problem with that flight is there's no recovery from the flight because the minute you right. start on that road, you're always in flight mode because you're always escaping. You never give yourself a chance to process anything until you yeah. stop the drugs 10 years later, right? 15 years yeah. later. Well, there's a difference. Like, I'm not going to hmm. – I going into um, – which I'd love to spend some more time with Judy, too, but, like, there is products that I take that's not pharmaceutical that is more of what Mother Nature gave to us, you know, like ashwagandha mm-hmm. or turmeric. So there's so many things out there that I don't think we're educated enough on because there's there's no power and there's no money into it. So, hmm. um, you know – I I feel like that those products do help me, but I don't feel like they're chemicals like the pharmaceutical company is. And I'm sure there's side effects on it too, but it's not it's not like the the chemicals, the poison that we put in our body, which is harder and harder to do nowadays because all of our food is processed. I mean, our water is contaminated. Not all of it. <laughs> well, the water, yeah, I have a filter on the water. Yeah, um, <laughs> the my biggest, you know, yeah, my biggest fear right now is this this vaccine stuff in the food supply. And I think yeah. that's going to stop pretty quickly because there's so many people objecting to it. You know, if we're not going to allow growth hormone, you know, if people kept, mm-hmm. you know, kicked up a fuss on that, they're not going to want uh, vaccine material, messenger RNA mm-hmm. in, in the food supply either. So I think that's, that's just a question of time before that gets banned. I don't think, that, I don't think that's going to fly. But these people, they're, they're trying to do anything they can to throw chemicals in our system. And we're at war trying to keep the chemicals out of our system. You know, I got the water filter. Now, do you know if they fluoridate the water around here? I've been trying to get a good answer on that. Um, fluoridate the water? Fluor, fluoridate, put fluoride well, in the water they, in the, the greater Milton, Santa Rosa County yeah. area. Actually, a, a website you can go under, let me remember, I want to say WG. I'll look it up. I've tried looking at it before. I haven't gotten a good answer. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll describe it. For, you know, tell you chemicals are in your water. Which what's the website it again? Is, You're breaking it, up. It will tell exactly what chemicals are in your water, and it actually gives you a rating of how toxic your water in your area where you live is. Okay, so what's the website though? We'll keep blocking out of the I website. Want, I want to. Say it was WG. WG. What's water that's system. it? Just I want it. You go under. You, you'll enter your zip code. So it's WG Water Systems, I and you would enter so. your zip code, and that's where it's going to show you. Okay, that oh, sounds good. All right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, we've got. Um, we're basically out of time here. Our, our other folks are. Those that are listening online, they're going to lose us in just a second here. Um, I don't know if you're coming to the rally tonight at all, but uh, just to remind folks, there's a rally at uh, 6 p.m. at uh, Blue Wahoo Stadium. Are you, are you in shape to do that? You don't have to tell me now. You can tell me off the air. But um, Yeah, I'm going to can... try to make it. So as long okay. as I well, can fill up on some magnesium and some turmeric, as long as my jaw will allow me, I will be there. 
Okay, good. I know Josie's going to be there, so it'll be good to meet her. Uh, I have to do a video uh, at her uniform shop next week. Uh, I've got to get you in a video, too, so we've got to find a place to sit down with horses in the background, of course. Images, everything. Okay. Uh, and uh, and let's, uh, do, I want to do half an hour of everybody uh, who reports on the show. Thanks to your mom. That was cool. Um, appreciate her yeah. being on. She's, yeah. welcome, she's welcome anytime. Uh, how do you spell her name? Just so I'll know it for next time. It is R-A-K-K-O, Rako. R, I got the 10 second warning again. R A K K O. Yep, that's it. Sounds good. Okay, good. All right, good to know. All right, uh, let's let's get a shameless plug for everything you do, and uh, we'll do it again next week. All right, sounds good. So where so where the websites, Facebook pages, all that stuff? That's your shameless plug. It's all part of it's oh, all part of the show. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. You, you, you'll learn to so, speak uh, Greg in a, in a few weeks. You'll get you'll get yeah, the hang of this. Yeah, there we go. So. <laughs> Um, Facebook page is Believe the Journey Horse Services. That's also my website page. I'm located in Milton, Florida. Um, trail rides is, is the main thing that I do, but I also do lessons and training. And you can call me up and ask me something, and I might do it. I might say yes. So all we have to do is ask. But um, Believe the Journey Horse Services. My social media is also Cowgirl Candace. That's where you're going to find me on Instagram and TikTok. And when I get my YouTube up, it will probably be under Cowgirl Candace as well. Um, yeah, I got and then, again, I'm look- Yeah, I have my yes, YouTube too. Milton- They're very sarcastic. <laughs> Action Radio Channel. Yeah. Your YouTube- <laughs> have you heard my YouTube? I'm have you heard my sarcastic YouTubes yet? I Candace? have not. Oh, I'll say no, this. So just go to Action Radio on YouTube. Yeah, it's got my logo on them. This is this is the one where we uh, uh, I did like like Pianki's picture perfect face shaping shaving cream. Did you ever hear that one? I'm going to play yeah. that one right now. I'm gonna play. Uh, you have heard that? Yeah. Or no? I haven't, but send it to me. Well, I'm going to play it right now just for the fun of it. We got, if you got, you got a couple oh, minutes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I got so minutes. just, just, all right, just, <laughs> I, I played a bunch of them Wednesday. So just to set this up, so this will give you an idea what's on, give everybody else an idea what's on the channel. So Pianchi, um was complaining one day. He said, he was talking about uh, white liberals going in blackface because Pianchi's black. And so he said, uh, he said, you know what? I'm sick of these guys, the governor of Virginia, uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada. You know, they're all going in, in, in blackface. And I said, me? He said, in the morning, in my morning shave, I have to go in whiteface because all you got is white shaving cream. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine, you know, Pianchi, you know, as dark as he is with white shaving cream on his face. I'm, I'm dying laughing. <laughs> I'm almost off the chair. I'm laughing so hard, right? So I thought to myself, I got to make a, I got to do something with this. And this is back during the lockdowns, right? So I had, it was a very sarcastic time. Uh, I have not been able to make these since in the same way, but for about six months during the lockouts in 2020, my mind was just flowing with all this creative stuff. So the, <laughs> this is one of the ones I came up with, and this is the kind of thing you'll find on, on the, the Action Radio uh, YouTube channel. It's morning, and you are a proud black man. You go to the mirror. You are reminded of Governor Northrop of Virginia and Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada, both of whom appeared in blackface. And there you are. You just put on your shaving cream. And what do you see? Whiteface. It's bad enough that leftist aspiring dictators are choosing to go in blackface. But you, proud black man, have no choice but to appear in whiteface every morning you shave. Now, direct from Pianchi Laboratories, comes a great new product made especially for you, proud black man. Pianchi's Picture-Perfect Face-Saving Shaving Cream. Yes, Pianchi's Picture-Perfect Face-Saving Shaving Cream will give you your black face back during your morning shave. For Pianchi's Picture-Perfect Face-Saving Shaving Cream is the first ever black shaving cream. 
Pianki's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream comes in three shades, dark, darker, and darkest. So now, proud black man, you have a choice. You can stay in white face every morning, or you can join black men everywhere and choose Pianki's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream every morning. The things I get to go away with really stagger the imagination, don't they? <laughs> I think you should take up commercials. <laughs> well, I'm going to make more of them. I just, you know, it's the time. It's I need a staff. I need I need production folks. I need all kinds of things like that. There but, you go. Uh, yeah. But that was that, that was that was the time. We <laughs> commercial together right there and then. <laughs> well, we could do it. I just have to uh, get like an MP3 recording. Well, I'm going to get you into the studio. We should probably tell folks at some point Candace is going to be here in the studio. Uh, we're going to do some yes. recordings, make some things. We're going to have some fun here. Uh, but I'll show you how the production yes. works. And if you have ideas, I want you to voice some commercials too. So we'll get you. So it's not just my voice all the time. Uh, but that'd be kind of fun. So uh, maybe we'll, we'll get you to do like a, a horse theme thing. I'll get some horse music in the background. Actually, I have a theme for you in mind already. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to play it for you once it's done. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're going to have some fun. This is, this is good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so see you tonight if you if you're up for it. That'd be great. Uh, I'll see who else is coming from our group. Uh, I think Diane's going to be there. She, I think she's helped organizing it. Uh, so Diane Warner, who does our election integrity report, uh, she's been off for a few weeks from the show. Uh, who knows who else? We got about seven or eight of us here. So we need to, we need to do an action radio horse ride. So we get all of our, yes. our various reporters, which would be hysterical. <laughs> Let's see who hops on and who yeah. doesn't. Yeah, especially <laughs> I, I don't know if you've met Bill Fecky yet. Bill Bill was a professional wrestler at one point. In an earlier life. Oh. oh, yeah. We did a wrestling show. Yeah, WBY, we oh. had all the wrestlers in the area, actually in the studio. And there was one guy in it wearing a mask, right? He was the Punisher. And he was wearing a yeah. And he didn't talk. And I said, dude, you look great in the mask, but this is radio. You have to say something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the things we do. All right. Anyway, so let's get out of here. I'll talk to you later. Have a good week. I'm going to play a couple things for everybody um, beyond that. <laughs> little silliness. And um, we'll do it again next week. All right, Greg, sounds good, and I'll text you about tonight. Sounds good. Thank you. And the podcast right. will be available about 10 minutes after the show. And uh, just to mm-hmm. remind everybody once again, okay, thanks, Candice. We'll talk soon. Um, to remind everybody once again, you've got blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction is our website here. Our, our, show, our website for all the legislative stuff, particularly our new bill to ban uh, direct uh, drug advertising uh, to people, is at writeyourlaws.com. We also have uh, gregpenglis.substack.com is my new Substack column, and contributions go to Greg, excuse me, to givesendgo.com slash Action Radio. Um, back Monday, 7 a.m., um, we've got a lot of things. i still got my electric car show. I've got some other things I want to do, um, maybe uh, the Silver Dollar and uh, JFK, and who knows what else. I don't know. It's, it's, the day is young. And, again, the rally tonight and a full uh, day tomorrow uh, in Gulf Breeze, and I will talk to you all Monday. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. 
that is Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 
623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BDW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus